Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sanders with a lot of time. Throws it out to the right side. Has a completed pass to Travis Hunter. And Hunter's still on his feet. Dancing around, making a gain of 17. This is 365 Sports. Powered by Sikkim365.com. Jones throws. He's got his receiver open. Badger spins. And Badger stayed on his feet and got the first down. 65 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Penix looks to the end zone, and it's caught. Oh, Dunze, spectacular catch. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. He's into the red zone. He's inside the 10. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. It's Buffett takes off. Here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Well, here we go this uh, Wednesday afternoon, 3 until 6 Central, and here we are, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, and I'm David Smoke on 365 Sports. A lot of nice news, interesting uh, ASU and West Virginia are now best buddies, and in fact, West Virginia AD Ren Baker will join us today. Iowa State's Director of Athletics, Jamie Pollard, today. At 3.30, Billy Embody, who covers SMU, and I asked him earlier about this at least speculation. I said, how much of that takes up your day? He said, every breathing moment of it, as far as trying to track down what's going on possibly with SMU. News that Ohio State AD Gene Smith 
Dan Hope joins us, also Paul's top five. Let's start with this, though. Yesterday, Baylor Director of Athletics, Mac Rhodes, was on the show with us in a very lengthy segment. Craig's kind of summarizes all of it and puts it up on the site, Sikkim365.com, with kind of cliff notes. But here's the comment about revenue sharing with Mac Rhodes yesterday on this show. So the incoming four schools are guaranteed a full share, correct? Yeah, they will be, and you know, yeah, they'll they'll be a full share member. And after that, he goes into something else. Okay, so <laughs> he said that what I was asking about was the first year of when the Pac-12 schools and the twelve schools that are a part of the conference, minus Texas and Oklahoma, come together, and so we put up a note that said Mac Rhodes was saying that the incoming four, Houston, Brigham Young, UCF, and Cincinnati were going to get the full share in the second year of their existence, 24-25, which is not the case. And so the Big 12 um, called me. Bob Berta, who's the director of information for them, called me, and I put this up earlier today on my Twitter timeline, received a call from Bob Berta on the Mac Rhodes comment uh, that 16 teams will receive equal revenue sharing in 24-25. He actually never said 24-25. Berta told me that it was not the case that the incoming Pac-12 teams will receive a full share because they're autonomy five in 24-25. And the schools like Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and also uh, UCF, they will continue to get what is a prorated or a partial share. I think it's $18 million this year, up to $19 million in 24-25, and then a full share, share with everybody in 25 and 26. I wanted to clarify that because a lot of people got on that and thought, man, that's great. If you're Brigham Young, you're going to go from making $18 million to next year making $29 or $30 million, or if you're UCF, Houston, or Cincinnati. No, you're, I mean they're they're still gonna. That was always then. That was always the plan. But and yeah, because those four schools, Craig and Paul, they're the ones that voted on the full share for the incoming Pac-12, knowing ESPN and Fox were going to go all in. Yeah, so that was always the plan the whole time of with ESPN and Fox, and yeah, that nothing changed. I mean, other than you know everybody thought they might be getting more money a year earlier. No, nothing's changed. Everything's still as it was uh, as far as the the. The first four that have come in, but the next four because they were an A five conference, they're um, they're getting the full share. So that's that's the difference. Um, if you got scared by that, sorry or excited, uh, but yeah, that that's just how it is. So yeah, that's uh, I mean, I can see where that would come across as incredibly confusing on Twitter. Um, so you know, I, I guess it's uh, nice to have some clarity and. Um, I guess to reiterate that the four new schools, well, you got to kind of clarify that too, because, hey, there's eight schools that are joining mm-hmm. in the last year or, in, you know, within a span of a year. So, uh, yeah, the A5 designation means that the PAC schools get full share right away starting next season and what a year wait for the four schools, BYU, UCF, uh, Houston, and Cincinnati. So, yeah, hopefully that clears things up. I saw – a lot of y'all's back and forth and whatever uh, that you were having and others were having, and I was just confused because, like I said, on Twitter, a lot of that stuff can get kind of convoluted. Uh, so, yeah, nice to, to have Bob Berta reach out and provide some clarity for everybody so now we're all on the same page here. I went from Bob Berta's calling us so we can have Brett Yormark on the show today to making sure that we clarified that. And I had reached out to Bob yesterday 
It might have even been Sunday evening. I'm sh- not sure. He wasn't able to get back to me uh, because of he's, he's kind of busy, too, as you could imagine. But there we are with that. 95% of the schools that are coming in this year said, hey, we're still getting much more than we were getting before. And about 5% of fans were like, well, this is kind of awkward. I was asked today on a show at Salt Lake City, uh, Dan Grimble, who's very, very good at what he does. Well, why would Utah or Arizona State who kind of, you know, why would they get a full share? The bottom line with that is, is that that was a part of making sure you're not going back through, okay, who are we going to add next? You are filled at 16, no matter what they might do with basketball, if they do. And so even though Utah and Arizona State may have looked around and like, okay, what's for next? They could have gone back to the Pac-12, and then that conference is even more alive than it is maybe today. Well, it's why? really it's simple. Like, how are you going to get them if you didn't promise them you know, a full share? I think that probably played into it as well. Mm-hmm. If, if you tell them they're going to wait, they're going to be like, we don't wait a couple a year or two to, to we're stay where we are. Yeah, so I think that's part of the the pull as well was, you know that that would be the the case that they would get that money right away. Well, that and the fact that I think that from the very beginning with ESPN and Fox that was their that was what they told them from beyond well, like back in March when all this was coming up. Like that's what Sam Khan said is that look mm-hmm. the plan was for if you add like say they added Memphis, Memphis would have gotten the same deal as BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. If you add Arizona and Arizona State, they're getting the full share right away because they're already in the autonomy five. Well they were because, up, up to the first two and then they yeah. had to kind of also they, but ask, yeah. okay, is it okay for four? Yeah. yeah. But so they had to do that. So that's why because of a decision made because when the Big East collapsed and the other five got together and said, all right, we're the autonomy five. We're going to make the decisions and everybody else can, can go along with it. So because of that decision years ago, that's why they're worth more now in spite of them, you know, really kind of slow walking their way into the conference. Yeah, yeah, but, they're, a, they're an autonomy five and that's what Bob told me. And that's what we've heard the cause of an autonomy five that kicks in the pro rata Uh, that comes from ESPN and eventually also Fox involved too. So remember what Ray Ray Anderson said uh, about the game at Morgantown, that he was going to send his deputy AD to Morgantown, and we put that up yesterday. In fact, I think we even played the audio. Well, I had reached out to Ren Baker, I think Sunday night or Monday, to ask him if he could be a part of the show. He did respond this afternoon. He will join us today at 4.30, and I bet this is what allowed that to happen. Not that he couldn't have been a part of the show two days ago. Uh, according to Nick Lowe, this is from Arizona Sports. Uh, dear Gordon G. WVU Alumni Association, West Virginia U- uh, University of West Virginia students, uh, both Mike Crow and I would like to apologize, that's Ray Anderson, for comments that ASU leaders made about your school a few days ago. Please accept this donation to your campus food bank. We are grateful you supported our Big 12 move. Go Devils. Yeah, this was, and we talked about it before, even if Ray Anderson was kidding, you don't get to be the guy who makes the joke when you, you know, kicked and screamed your way out of the other conference and you you, you don't get to do that. You, you, you just kind of have to go, yeah, well, it's going to be tough going to Morgantown, especially, and it's not even about, they took that shot at West Virginia, but they were completely negligent of the Ray Anderson is want to go, and he's going to be one of the highest paid people who goes. The softball players and volleyball players and track athletes and everybody else got to go. The football players have to go. The basketball players have to go. But you're not going to go? Like, sorry. Like, this just isn't, 
Not not a good not a good joke by by joke standards, and not a comment he needed to make. Garrett, do you have a, an image of the letter? I know it's somewhat, but I, there was a full blown letter nah, that okay that Arizona State sent to West Virginia. Yeah, I think he he misstepped clearly and uh, needed to you know probably put something out there to, to calm down the Mountaineer fans and just make a better first impress a better second impression than he made a first impression. Um, he was uh, I don't think a joke. I think he was pretty serious actually um but you know that's some of that arrogance that's just gonna have to get rectified one way or another you know you're either gonna learn to deal with the new folks you're working with or you're gonna you know have to probably find something else to do so uh, i like that mac Rhodes joked if he was joking about the fact that arizona state's first year we'll probably see them going to morgantown for a football game i mean and i think that's the kind of like petty like sec level stuff that actually adds some spice to things like that and Mm -hmm. makes it more fun than just a stupid story we forget about 24 hours later or stay mad about. I don't have, you know, any will, ill will against Ray Anderson. I can't speak for West Virginia fans. Uh, he did speak kindly of other places. Like, he's like, well, I'll go here. I'll go, yeah. I'll go to the Texas schools and things like that. So, yeah, it was pretty pretty much directed at them, and I'd be defensive a bit if I were uh, the Mountaineers. So, uh, I like the way that Ren Baker fired off his tweet, you know, showing a, a beautiful West Virginia skyline. And, uh, you know, mentioning how if you've never been there, then you wouldn't understand was basically his message. And so maybe at some point, you know, Ray Anderson finds himself in the in the beauty of, of Morgantown, West Virginia, and, and the surrounding areas uh, for a, a game of some sort. But I, I like that he walked it bat and didn't take long to do it and uh, realized that it was a mistake and not a, a great first step to take with, with one of the fan bases here in the conference. But no big deal over the long run, and, and glad that's been settled. Do you yeah. know what they donated? Did you, did you, watch, did you read it? They donated $700 in applesauce, apple vinegar, and 60-plus other food products from the two ASU alumni to help feed West Virginia University students. All right. They're about good. to say apple streaming for a second there, yeah. but uh, no. <laughs> yeah, free apple That's cool, streaming. too, though. Yeah. Uh, that, so they did that yeah. other thing instead. But, no, yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, feeding people or, you know, giving back is always a great thing, no matter the, you know, I mean, in this case, it's not like there's some – evil reason or anything so that's that's a good resolution and you know i'm sure that uh, he and ren baker will will shake hands and and the schools will be fine but i do think that hey there's a little seed for a little rivalry if you you want to start you know who's gonna have ill will against one another i don't know that it's enough to really fuel a, a full-blown rivalry but hey there'll be a little extra sauce if they do in fact send the sun devils to morgantown next year there'll be a little backstory that wasn't there before so that's good and then that'll add to it hey Charles, Look, john denver doesn't sing a song about arizona that's all i'm saying so yeah you're right <laughs> charles chamberlain BYU voting for Utah to get more money than BYU is a classic BYU thing to do. And I know there was this back and forth. (laughs) There was this back and forth about, well, BYU all of a sudden, because of the thought that they were going to get an an equal share uh, next year, uh, was like, man, well, Utah, remember, they didn't get a full share, I don't think, for probably two, three, four years when they entered the Pac-12. So all teams have been there, not everybody, but have been there before. Now, of the teams left in the Pac-12, one of them is Washington State. Their president, Kirk Schultz, sat down with Pete Thamel for an interview, a lengthy article. Here are some of the quotes. Acknowledge his school's athletic program is at a bad spot, facing the harsh reality in the wake of the Pac-12 defections. It's a, like a breakup. It's awkward. No one wants to sit there for too long. Uh, when everything went down on Friday, he texted athletic director Pat Chun. We've got to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Also, keeping all, all the irons in the fire. At the end of the day, 
this is interesting here, at the end of the day, us doing something on the East Coast, unless it's a hell of a lot, mo- hell of a lot of money, there's just no way to make it work in reference to the possibility of anything with the ACC, although it's been mainly what Cal and Stanford have been brought into it. Uh, it may be the two of us accept an invitation to the Mountain West, speaking of Oregon State, I'm sure, and we rely on private dollars to make sure our budgets are at the top of the league. And then on USC and UCLA's departure, that's what did it. That that's what did us in in the end. Not just the last week, people had feet in both camps. Yeah, I mean, I think that last line uh, is really interesting because there's a lot of like trying to blame the Big Twelve going on still. Um, there's a lot of trying to blame the Big Ten. And look, I, I think there's equal disbursement of of who you want to point the finger at. But I think you have to start with the Pac-12. I mean, and and that's where it all begins and ends uh, was with their decisions along the way. And I don't think at this point many would argue with that. So you can you can assign blame elsewhere. Like, yeah, of course, if the Big Ten didn't come grab Washington and Oregon, none of this happens, except Colorado still moves. Colorado still goes. Um, That was going to happen regardless. But, um, you know, if the Big 12 doesn't have this, you know, uh, appetite for the other three, then, you know, it's probably – Turns out differently, but all of those were a part of the equation, and you had the the biggest you know piece of it all, which was you know some uh, misguided leadership or lack of leadership, and and that's why they are where they are. I mean, I'm glad to hear that he's you know putting out a confidence about their sports programs and they'll you know private funding, they'll still be able to to compete, but obviously that's a a tough pill to swallow going from the pack to potentially the Mountain West. I do feel like those two will be you know, among the elites at that level, but I know that's not really making anybody feel any better. I'm not going to try to you know, put lipstick on a pig here because the situation's a pig. I mean, it, it is. You you were in the Pac-12. All of that made sense for you in every way, shape, and form, and now you're looking at a completely different, uh, you know, out uh, a universe that you'll be settling into potentially. So, um, yeah, brutal for them, but good to know that they're not going to be like, all right, the, fo- the football's shuddering and, you know, some of the, the really – extreme fears that one might come up with in their heads. That's not going to be the case for them, but they still do have some major questions to answer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I actually, you know, in, in regard to Washington state, I posted this on Twitter today and I was not trying to take shots. I mean, a couple of Cal fans got upset and I've, I've had exchanges with them, but, uh, if I'm the ACC you took on the entire Cal fan base, yeah, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but I, uh, yeah, that's kind of what it felt like, uh, no, but they, uh, if I'm a conference and I've, I've got two teams coming in, if like the ACC, and I want better football games, at least in the near future, I'd rather have Wazoo and Oregon State than Cal and Stanford. Now, uh, the Cal fans that got mad at me were like, oh, well, we have this great history. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not the only one who's noticed this, and I'm, I'm not a decision maker. Like, the, the television power brokers yep. noticed this as well, that they've got this big, gigantic market in the Bay Area that's tons of people, and the two schools that are in it don't draw very well, and they don't get very good television ratings. So when the decision was made to leave them behind, it was made because of that. Because if you just take it on the surface, then you should just go to add every major school in every major city and leave out every college town because... Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Opelika, Alabama, but it's not exactly a bustling hub of humanity like it's San a Francisco city is. with a lot of great golf courses. No, but, I mean, yeah, but that's what it is. So I know. Yeah, if you're, I'm not. Again, I'm not making digs here. It's just no, how. It, I think how most it is. college towns are yeah. obviously they're not like what 
you know, like the bigger schools now, some of the towns that are cities, the Big 12 has added. Cincinnati yeah. is a large city. No, like, uh, like Columbus, Ohio has turned into a gigantic Tempe, city. But, and Tucson area. Yeah, yeah, I mean, then you have Orlando now with UCF. Yeah. So well, those things all happen if you do that on the surface. So, yeah, like if I'm – and that's why I feel really bad for Washington State and Oregon State because they've clearly, as a fan base in a university, made a commitment, especially in football, to being good and to being aggressive and trying to win the conference title – as where Stanford and Cal are kind of caught in stasis here, and they're the ones who are getting talked to you about the ACC. When again, if I'm if I'm the ACC and I'm thinking like, what's a better game, Clemson versus Cal or Clemson versus Oregon State playing? I mean, it won't be DJU, but that to me was be a better game. Yeah, I think the uh, whole Silicon Valley aspect got a little overvalued mm-hmm. um, during this whole process, and uh, not to say that there's not some value to it. There clearly is, but it's overvalued in the grand scheme of things. Um, they weren't quite layups, if you will. Um, and, you know, still, though, there is obviously a, a, you know, attractiveness there, whether it be the history or Silicon Valley or locations or, you know, whatever you want to chalk it up to. Um, there is interest clearly by the ACC. So, unfortunately for Oregon State and Washington State, they're sort of at the mercy now of what's going to happen there and uh, what you know that does in turn to Cal and Stanford. And so, there's still you know some questions that need to be answered that lead to answers of other questions. And uh, for Oregon State and Washington State right now, they're not first in line to go ahead and just make their choice and move along. They've got to kind of be at the mercy for a little while, but hopefully not too long. You know, the eight teams that are now the original of the uh, Big 12, although TCU was not a part of it, another West Virginia at the beginning, they had days when they probably felt not quite as isolated as Oregon State and Washington State, but there were days where everybody around the Big 12 that wasn't Texas and Oklahoma, even Texas Tech or Oklahoma State, no matter bigger schools, whatever, they had to also wonder or KU. Well, let's skip ahead, Garrett, when you get that one up, because this is news on Texas A&M and their NIL fund. Uh, this just came down from uh, on three. Uh, the 12th man plus fund, which was long thought to be the next evolution of NIL collectives, is being discontinued. The move comes after discussing the IRS memo released back in early June with advisors. And you wonder how many are, how many others are in that same perhaps circle or in that uh, bubble that might have to look at that as well. What I'm, what I'm curious to hear is, what is it now? Because it's not like the collective's going away. That particular fund is going away. The way that they were doing it is going away. And they just shift the money somewhere else? They'll just shift it and do it a different way. And then they'll probably lose a couple of donors who thought, oh, this will be my tax write-off, making my football team better. Mm -hmm. They'll probably lose a couple. But ultimately, the people who are going to be in that, the smart ones anyway, knew that this was a temporary time. The window was going to close. The IRS eventually gets around to everything, especially when that is. And I, I think even the, those of us who are the most novice TurboTax users knew that, all right, I don't know how long you can say this is a charitable donation when you're like, okay, what charity are you donating to? Oh, Texas A&M. Oh, what about Texas A&M? Are they like a cancer research fund or are they doing something for the environment or, you know, cleaning up an oil spill or what? No, no, no. Um, I wanted a running back and he's going to, He's going to show up at Habitat for Humanity a couple times and hammer some nails and take a picture and get the F out. You wonder if this is the first of many. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I don't know how all I, – I don't, I don't – I'll be honest. I don't keep up with all the NIL stuff like, you know, every T crossed and I dotted. Uh, it's not 
a thing that's super interesting to me, like the funds themselves and like the the operations themselves. So I don't know what's even closely considered to be you know similar to what A and M does, but I think it goes to show you that you know laws and some some government you know cage rattling can make the whole operation slow down real quick and, and change course all of a sudden, right? And that's why they're saving grace for the whole operation is to have the government basically come in and say, here's what's allowed and here's what's not allowed, because that's about the only thing that's going to stop this. Without the government becoming involved, is this fund still operating? Is it going forward as, as it was meant to be? Yeah, absolutely it is. But obviously then there became some repercussions that they weren't going to go toe-to-toe with, and it's like, all right, we're going to go ahead and shut this on down. So, yeah, that's that's a sign of that's about the only way you can really stop most of this, but I don't know if it you know really means anything for the whole other landscape, but uh, certainly an interesting story and, and one that will need some follow-up. We have some super chats we will get to even from yesterday, and I know that we have two more, uh, and we will try to get to those too. We have a busy schedule of guests, but we do need to do that because yesterday we were not able to do that. A couple other quick notes. There was thoughts about Clemson and a board meeting tonight. This from Caitlin Harrington, who covers Clemson. Quick reminder, today's board meeting is the compensation committee, and the sole action item is academic leadership salary. Academic does not pertain to athletics, as salary does not pertain to leaving the ACC. At least not today it doesn't. No. Yeah, it it wasn't. We'll see. I I still think that even those other six schools that – Join Florida State back in the spring and, and raising concern. We'll let Florida State make all the noise until until they figure out what they're doing, and then they'll be like, "Yeah, we're with you the whole time." What he said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Because that's how this works: is you're going to let somebody uh, be the bad guy for a little while until they can figure out their evil plan or whatever it is, and then you're going to stand by them and go. Good idea, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the Big Ten sat back and watched, uh, you know, the Big Twelve kind of do their work for them, yes. and then uh, swooped yeah. in and delivered the death blow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that there's still more to come with the ACC. I just don't think it's as urgent as, you know, what was happening with the pack uh, here recently. I mean, obviously, there's still the the what I guess the the possibility of Cal and Stanford still in the works as well, or SMU. I mean, I guess that's still out there from yesterday. So there's there's some options on the table before Florida State makes like a final decision on anything. But, yeah, they're not going to stop shaking the cage, and, and there's more to come there for sure. All right, real quickly, you guys rapid fire, and I mean it because Jamie Pollard's going to call at any time. Yesterday, Chris, which new Pac-12 school incoming will be Baylor's best rival? Colorado. They've played before. Back in the day when the Big 12 was first formed and may have played even before then. Yeah, uh, that probably makes – I can see Arizona and, like, Texas Tech automatically adding up. Uh, but he asked about history. Baylor specifically, though. Huh? He asked about Baylor No, I know. I'm just saying, like, down the yeah. line. I, I, so, I don't think Arizona would be one, even though there's a macros connection. Not that hmm. you're limited to one. But, yeah, I, I think Colorado probably makes the most sense just because there's, there's an amount of history there. In your opinion, who has the worst of the athletic facilities – in the Power Five. I have no idea. I don't either. No clue. I don't follow everybody closely enough to have any idea on, on who's where and what at this point. Um, yeah, I would be totally pulling one out of, of nowhere to, to, to assume who's got that, the, the worst right the now. The first one was from Chris. The second one, MC Gusto, our retired stockbroker, just sent us money. Thank you. We will never turn that down. You don't have to, but we appreciate it. And then, Chris, how amazing would the ACC versus Big 12 basketball be um, as far as if they were to have some sort of a basketball, like you see with the Big 12 has had the SEC and they've had others. 
Uh, it would I'd, be unbelievable. I'd I actually know. prefer that to the SEC matchup most of the time. To be quite honest with you, especially the way with the conference it is now when you've got Arizona and Houston coming in to replace Texas and Oklahoma, at least basketball-wise, you know, notoriety-wise. And the other schools will have their good runs and everything. Cincinnati's had good runs. Everybody else has. Kansas State. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just saying they're already here. But, so, yeah, I would rather see, you know, Duke versus Kansas. Well, they and they kind of play each other anyway all the time. But I'd rather see Duke and Arizona or North Carolina and Kansas or, um, you know, Syracuse and Baylor, those kind of things. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, a more basketball, you know, matchups with big time programs who are big time currently, not just you know thirty years ago, is is great. And uh, obviously, the ACC's had immense amounts of success thirty years ago and in, in present day. And the Big Twelve, especially present day, didn't even exist thirty years ago. But present day, it uh, it's amongst the top. So yeah, I think the more matchups like that you could get would be great. Uh, the SEC challenge has been cool, but uh, you know, pivoting and, and doing Big Twelve ACC, especially right now. Would be uh, some fantastic hoops, I'd imagine. Mr. T.W., the major media core wanted the realignment, not the fans, not the students, not even the majority of us. This is nothing but a Wall Street-type move that will eventually clap back. The game may not change, but it's innocent. It's innocence has. I, 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 I agree with you, even though it, it, it's part of change and part of the way things are. In, in, in the way, yeah, the traditions and me and the memories – a lot of that's being reinvigorated with the SEC with Oklahoma, Texas. But, yeah, I get it. I do. Yeah, I mean, there's some parts that I think we, we think are innocent that aren't so much. So I don't know that it's always been just, like, innocent. But I, I understand your point, um, and, and you're right. It's it's unfortunate, and uh, it is the corporate overlords, so to speak, pulling all this, the strings and uh, making a lot of these moves happen. I know that's where a lot of the angst in the direction has been in terms of pointing the finger at uh, the pack moves in particular. So, uh, yeah, you hate to see it, but that's just sort of the way the world works and doesn't make it right, but uh, that is the way that it is. And until something you know changes that that you know way of of how the world works uh and how you know particularly american business works uh, i you know i think that's just it was inevitable almost you know in some ways and and maybe we can't turn back time and and 10 years from now it's back to more of what it was when we see the error of our ways but you know cross your fingers on that Iowa State Director of Athletics Jamie Pollard with us on 365 Sports Jamie thank you so much when you blink a little bit. Is it hard to imagine where the conference, the Big 12, is today and will be next year to where it was those dark days in the summer of 2021? Well, how about those dark days of 2009 and 10 yeah. as well? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, sir. It is, uh, it's been a, a long and windy road. How quick, I mean, when you guys were always planning to, to be ready for any expansion when it popped up. But from your perspective, how fast did this really move? Well, you know, it, it feels like it moved really, really slow personally, because it seems like we've talked about it for a year at least, but the last probably 48 hours were pretty intense. And there were a lot of, uh, you know, ebbs and flows in that last 48 hours. I think that, you know, most people wouldn't know or appreciate. So uh, that part, I think, went pretty fast. Macros told us that uh, just he personally felt like, you know, Colorado was a must-have, but it, he really – it was all about getting all four schools, and anything less than that wouldn't have felt like really completing the job, so to speak, or wouldn't have been as fulfilling. Uh, did you feel that kind of the same way? Just sort of what was your – 
your operating, uh, I, I guess, thoughts when it came to all of the potential ways this could have gone in combinations, but in fact ending up with the four that, that everybody kind of originally pegged? Well, you know, I'm going to first start with, you know, I, I have a little somberness here just because I'm not, in a lot of ways, I wish we weren't in a situation where some of our peers or colleagues are being left behind and that the Pac-12 has gone away, you know, and, or, or potentially it's going to go away. I was one that said all along, I didn't wish for that, but if it was going to happen, I wanted us to be well-positioned. And well-positioned was to go to 16 and to get presumably the four schools we ended up getting. But then as the process drug on and drug on and drug on, you know, Colorado was the only one at the, at that time that seemed like they were doing it for more than just the money. They were doing it because I think they felt like philosophically they aligned more with the Big 12. Where the others, I think, were still tethered to trying to make the Pac-12 work. And so it started to feel like it might just be Colorado. And so, um, you know, Max thoughts of it would have felt incomplete I maybe had come to grips with it was going to be incomplete. Mm-hmm. And it, it, when that reemerged that those three could possibly be coming as well, to me it was like a, you know, a shot of energy because I, quite frankly, had kind of given up on that. I, I, in my mind, I had just gotten to the spot where I didn't think it was going to happen. I just didn't think it was going to happen. And so that's what I refer to that last 48 hours got to be pretty rapid fire that my gosh, it's going to happen. Jamie, the way the revenue is going to be shared, not this year with the four incoming schools getting a partial, 18 million, whatever the number might be, but next year with the incoming four out of the Pac-12 autonomy, five schools getting a full share, and the others are going to be, again, a partial share with a little bit of an uptick in how much. Was there a lot of discussion, or was that a problem at all that the uh, the four schools coming in this year were like, wait a minute, we're already here. Why would we have to not get a full share in 24-25? No, never, never was brought up by any of those schools. I, I think how they look at it is you got to remember where each of the schools is coming from. You know, those schools, the four that are joining this year are joining this year, you know, even though they're not getting, quote, the full share for these first two years, they're getting a lot more than they would have been getting had they stayed where they were. So, um, you know, it's all just kind of a point of, uh, of you know, what's, what's relevant. Um, it's no different than when you're hiring people. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes then later and gets more money because that's what it took to get them. And so, you know, the four new schools that will be coming in from the Pac-12, you know, just had a, a different um, starting point from where they're starting from. And so the four schools, the you know, if we're going to call, there's the newer and then the newer. Um, so the, the, the new members that are in this year, they were great. They never raised that issue. Um, you know, they recognized what it meant to go get the four schools from the Pac-12. And those four schools, you know, are, are deserving of what they're going to get. And when it's all said and done, we'll all be sharing equally. Jamie, I, uh, I received a tweet on Friday when all this was, was going on. It was from somebody that said, um, I, I don't know what the Iowa State fans, how they're going to react to a game in Tempe. They've never seen anything like that before. And I said, I don't know, man. Have you ever, 
Have you ever partied with the Iowa State crowd? Like, they've seen a lot. Like, that that can go wild. How has your fan base kind of reacted to all this, and how do you feel about how they'll they'll move forward and, and travel like they, they usually do pretty well? Well, um, you know, our fan base, one, uh, is excited about it. I mean, excited from the, just the mere fact it's great that Iowa State and the Big 12 is on the right side of this. Secondly, I just think fans are genuinely, all fans, just are genuinely excited by the fact that there's, there's kind of like new blood. You know, it's not same old, same old. And so I think that that's going to be um, a little spark for all of us because there's going to be new road trips, new rivalries, um, you know, that will emerge. At the same time, I think our fans are very respectful of just understanding that, you know, there's a little form of relief and not as much excitement when, when you know other schools got left behind. And I appreciate that, that our fans have actually acknowledged that because the, the fact is we could have been and almost were in 2008 and could have been again in 2020, you know, had the same lot in life that Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal and Stanford are going to have. So um, I think all of that is rolled up in the emotion. But genuinely speaking, our fans are fired up. We've got a great fan base that a lot of snowbirds down in the Phoenix area. So both our trips to Tucson and Tempe will um, be well attended by Cyclone fans, I'm sure. And Colorado, you know, that's a, ro- a drivable road trip for a lot of our fans, and we did that back in the day. Mm-hmm. And Utah, you know, I, I think the Utah fan base for football especially is very much like the Cyclone fan base, very much in social media. They pack their stadium. They're very active. So I'm excited, and I think our fans are too. Obviously, a lot of people had a hand in, in making all this this happen in the end for the Big 12's benefit. And I know in your statement you spoke about Bob Bowlesby and the job that he did on his way out of, of bringing in the initial four schools that helped stabilize everything. And I know that many have said, hey, if you just stopped there, everybody would have been happy. But then there's Brett Yormark and this other vision. When you first kind of started to, to wrap your head around this next iteration and this, this Four Corners vision and, and other ideas that he's had, can you just speak, Jamie, to kind of your initial thoughts and, and now having seen a lot of it progress, the Rucker Park basketball, the Four Corners school, so on and so forth, and, and what still may be to come. Uh, can you just kind of wrap your head around, you know, the tenure so far and, and all the different hands that, that made all this possible? Well, you know, um, organizations need different forms of leadership at different times. And what Bob Bowlesby did for us at that particular moment, I don't think any of us fully fathomed how important that was. And now we've seen it play out that he laid the foundation and kept the Big 12 together and put us in a position with, um, uh, you know, the opportunity to, to have what we're now experiencing. And then, you know, when Commissioner Yormark came in, he's a different, um, different set of leadership skills, different vision. And he has put, you know, his imprint on this and a very aggressive, clearly a, a big marketer, a big thinker. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of that come to fruition. And so, you know, Again, excited about what is in store for the future because we've seen what he's accomplished in his first year. And, you know, you can only imagine what, like, the next year and the next year could look like. So buckle up. We're going to be on for a great ride. And uh, there'll be some things that'll not work, and there'll be some things that'll you know, be a huge hit. And it'll be fun to play it all out. Were the four schools who joined 
in the pack of what we now know, Colorado, ASU, Arizona, and Utah, were those the only four, Jamie, the Big 12 really thought they could bring in and also wanted? Well, those were the, let's, let's start with Colorado deserves a lot of credit because, you know, quite frankly, they went alone and they did it. You know, they were the unicorn. They were the Lone Ranger. And they set, you know, you could argue they set a lot of this in motion, but they uh, they were the one that went out there. And, you know, if the Pac-12 had signed that television deal last Friday, you know, Colorado would have been in the Big 12 and wouldn't have been part of that. So, first of all, you know, that, that was where we were focused initially because we felt like that one could lead to possibly more. Or if not, we talked about other schools that could fill that final spot. And then as it started to emerge, you know, Arizona, I think, was probably next in line as far as showing the initial kind of interest. But then it quickly escalated because of the Oregon-Washington timing with the Big Ten that it became Arizona, Arizona State, Utah as kind of a package deal. So we never really had to fully vet just Arizona as 14 or was it going to be UConn as 14 if, you know, Arizona didn't come. And it never really went past that. Um, those, it was those kind of the, the package of those three or Arizona as 14 or UConn as 14. And that was really where it, the focus was. Jamie, when um, do you think or do you think it is time for the the leaders of college athletics to maybe get together and try to figure out what, the goal is long-term so that we don't have to keep reshuffling the deck here? Well, that's a great question. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's maybe a question that's being asked too late because, you know, the deck has been shuffled in a way now that, the, you know, the, the game of cards are going to be different than what the game one might have been three, four years ago. And, you know, history is going to judge that either positively or negatively. I think today – you know, it's, it's tough to judge it either way. You have to live in the moment, and this is the cards we're dealt, so we got to play those. But um, I, I am one that feels like, you know, I, 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 I wish we wouldn't have gotten to this spot, that calmer heads could have maybe prevailed and found a solution that didn't leave people behind. But quite frankly, you could see it starting to crumble during COVID, where – you know, the five commissioners just weren't always on the same page. And you saw that play out, and it was probably foreshadowing to what we're seeing now, which is kind of every, you know, every league for themselves. And I don't think that's in the best interest of college athletics, but I'm one voice, and, you know, I'm part of a a much bigger uh, ecosystem that is bigger than one voice. Mac yesterday was on with us, Mac Rhodes, and we brought up, uh, is this it? Is this where the expansion ends? And uh, we, we know about UConn. You brought that up as well. That was obvious. I know Brett Yormark has. That's kind of like his toy in a way. Um, how is that something that if it, in fact, happens, it would be not in the near future and at some point whenever anything else changes, you go, okay, that's, that's probably what we need to do? Well, if I've learned anything in 18 years being AD, be careful what you say because you're <laughs> wrong the next morning. But it's my understanding that 
it, you know, it, it's done for the foreseeable future because there's no money left. Okay. The, you know, the television partners are done spreading money around and sprinkling it. You know, we're going to, you know, this may rear its head again with the next television iteration in 2030, 31. But my understanding, I, I don't anticipate anything between now and that time period because there, there's just not any money in the system to do it. And all of us are leveraged enough without diluting ourselves any further. So I, I just don't see it, you know, in our world. Now, maybe it'll happen out with the ACC. That's their issue to deal with. But as far as the Big 12, you know, they're just, there is no more uh, wind out there for our sales at this point with the television partners. You have had to deal with the newness and what is now today's college athletics, with what's happening with uh, college. We've had the Alabama coach. You've had to deal with the, the gambling aspect of what is going on. How much have you had to spend even more time than normal making sure the education is there for everybody, that this is just something you cannot do? Well, I, I think it, it, it was eye-opening because we were educating, and the student-athletes have admitted uh, every single one of them um, admitted that they were educated. They knew they couldn't do it, but they still did it. And it's been fascinating talking to them because to them, you know, they've referred to it as like it's a video game. And it's, there's no money exchanging hands. There's no chips you're putting into the middle of the poker table. There's no cash you're putting out. It's tied to your bank account. And it comes at you in the morning and just asks you to press yes or no. And and so what it's made us stop and think about is we need to rethink. It isn't even just, a, you know, the, how we thought about education has got to change. It isn't a, you can't do this. It's, we got to help them with it because it's become just so second nature that they didn't even realize what they were doing. And to, a, to an athlete, Every single one of them totally underestimated what they actually had done once we got the, the gaming results. And not in a negative way like they were trying to, like, why? It just, it'd be like you or I, if somebody asked you how many text messages, how many times have you checked your phone today? Mm. And if there was a way to electronically know how many times you looked at your phone, I bet we'd all be stunned how many times we looked at our phone versus what we thought we did. And so that's what hit me with this. None of them have done anything where you just go, oh, my gosh, that was criminal. That was horrible. You know, they're a bad apple. They just kind of got caught up in something that has become part of society in a way that most of us probably woefully underestimate. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. And so we've got to learn not, you know, we've just got to rethink what education really means. One of the things that hit me when all this came out was it used to be, you know, um, I remember like previous gambling scandals. It was because somebody was friends with a bookmaker or, you know, they were here in this spot. And this, the overwhelming simplicity, like you just said, was the thing that I think that maybe everybody wasn't ready for. That it, once again, it, you don't have to go see or talk to or look at another human being. You just have to push a button. Right. And, you know, they, the student athletes talked about, you're hooked in like it. You get up in the morning and you got notifications, and you've got notifications that says, "Hey, you know, do you want to do you want to put a five dollar bet on this, or do you want to bet on this, or do you want to bet on that?" And 
they just said it's like you start answering yes and no. It's like you're playing a video game. And all of a sudden, one day, somebody tells you, whoa, over the last six months, you did it this many times, and you're blown away. Jamie, are you going to be on the scheduling committee that has Arizona State playing in Morgantown the first year? <laughs> no, but I'm going to make sure I have that weekend off. <laughs> We're going to have Ren Baker on. It's good that Arizona State reached out. Glad that happened because there was a thought. And, yes, they probably were screaming and clawing to stay because they're loyal. But it's great that everybody – because that's the one thing right now you have, right, with the 12 teams that will be a part of it not including even the incoming four, but that everybody is on the same page and understand everybody's important if there's a life wrap that everybody needs to go with them. Well, that is true. But, you know, at the same time, you got to have a little fun with this. So um, I'm sure it'll be sheer coincidence <laughs> that first football schedule, Arizona State's at West Virginia. I'm sure that'll just be, a, I mean, just a total coincidence. Thank you so much for your time, Jamie. We've always appreciated what you've been able to bring to the table when we've had you on many, many times. Tell Nick Jost thank you as well, and have a great week. All right. And for the record, I didn't say anything about Texas today, did I? <laughs> no, you didn't. No. no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Well, I mean, you know, we're not done. <laughs> yeah. like, please tell Chris Delacanti that. No, no, no. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Jamie Pollard, Director of Athletics at Iowa State, with a bunch of great nuggets for us today on this show. I do think that was one of the most – I don't know uh, – I don't pay as much attention as Paul and the other guys to like the the hits and things like that, um, but I do know that that one went pretty viral. The Jamie Pollard Texas yeah. <laughs> one that went pretty like millions of of hits and whatnot, uh, thousands and thousands of likes and retweets on that one. Uh, so yeah, I love that he threw that in there at the end because that was the last time we talked to him, right? That was, was several months ago. But yeah, good stuff there. I mean, I just tweeted out uh, on the Big Twelve expansion side. It's done for the foreseeable future because there's no TV money left. All of us are leveraged enough without diluting ourselves further. And to be clear, he was speaking about the Big 12 only and, you know, left open like, hey, there could be stuff that happens elsewhere. But, um, you know, Mac Rhodes kind of said that yesterday as well. I mean, he didn't say it exactly that way, but he pretty much said it that way uh, when I asked him about, you know, basketball only ads or partial shares. And, you know, he didn't rule it out because there's always a chance, as we've seen, that things can change. But... Uh, it's not likely at all. So that's that's one aspect, but you know, I'm sure there's other things that you guys picked up on as well that uh, that he had well, to say because there was a lot there. Yeah, and we got to take a break, but the UConn thing was, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that was pretty like, you know, if it wasn't going to be them, then yeah. UConn had a shot, which is, that's like the, you know, the the best and worst thing UConn fans have probably heard all day in that like, oh, yeah, well, it was well, true. We it, were going to get there, but. The mm-hmm. way it was like, you know, when I first saw that it just seemed like it was very imminent Mm -hmm. and to me there was just way too many questions to go like yeah colorado yukon boom we're done i was just like that doesn't make any sense and so you know it it just seemed like yeah they were a backup option if things didn't go correctly and and you're right paul that's not a great thing like oh we were in the running yay i almost won the lottery but i didn't and so yeah that's not really a a a fun thing to hear i don't think but it's also (laughs) you know Buying six tickets and hitting one number on each ticket. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's it's good to hear some clarification there and, and you know, get some more insight on just kind of how everything was, was being viewed. So, you know, maybe that bodes well, depending on what happens to the ACC, that the Huskies are on that precipice of there's obviously something there that 
and there's some attraction there, the market or just the potential or what have you. Basketball, obviously. Uh, so maybe things aren't quite done until they're done for UConn. But as far as the Big 12 goes, it appears that's the case. Uh, we do need to take a break. But I do think that UConn was Brett Yormark's baby. And I yeah. still think that's still kind of the glimmer in his eye. And yet what a lot of others in the Big 12 said, hey, hold on. Uh, again, if you go to a vote with this, it may not end up well, and we don't want that. you got this equity. And then on top of that, let's see how things happen with the schools that we still have on our radar. Good stuff. Jamie Pollard, again, thanks to uh, Nick Jose very much for being a part of what he uh, helps with the ta- uh, this show, has with us for a long, long time. When we come back at 4 o'clock, Billy Embody, he covers both SMU and LSU for On3. His thoughts about SMU and where – is this how legitimate is it how warm or hot or cold is it when it comes to their future and possibly a power five and this is 365 sports waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco the brian bauer and family they've done such a great job there was waco meats and there is still waco meats it's a distribution business where they send out product to to restaurants throughout not just central texas but around the state of texas i mentioned one time i was driving into dallas and to my right i saw this like delivery truck and it was waco custom meats delivering to to a restaurant or more up in the dallas and fort worth area and then on top of that there's a local butcher shop and bakery along with what you need with the main knickknacks that you would have in a grocery store and today and throughout this week and through saturday Saturday, top sirloin steak at $6.99 a pound. Boneless pork chops are $2 a pound. 15% off all boards had lunch meat. Regular snacks and jalapeno cheese snacks are $5.50 and $6.50 a pound. And chicken leg quarters are just $0.70 cents a pound. They have what you need when it comes to seasonings, marinades, charcoal, pellet fuel. What you need, they have it. It's Waco Custom Marketplace at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. During the Make This the Summer event, say big on a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months. Or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with employee pricing for all plus 1.9% for 72 months. And an extra $1,000 rebate. Or if that's not enough, get a 2023 Jeep Compass 10% off MSRP. That's right, and no payments for 90 days on all offers. Find the Jeep that fits you at Alan Samuels in Waco. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIP. 
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Sixty-five Sports. The three o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. Four twenty-five Lake Air Drive, Waco. Just around the corner, we'll hear from Billy Embud. He covers both SMU and LSU, and LSU and Texas in that race for Colin Simmons, the elite defensive lineman from Duncanville. In fact, I just saw where uh, Caden Durham from Duncanville. Of course, is trying to make his decision on where he plays his college football. We saw him when they splattered midway a couple years in a row. So here's another super chat from Chris. And we've been able to get to, I believe, all of them. Um, and this one from, where did it go? Here we go. This one from Chris. Guys, the Pac-4 should invite Hawaii, San Diego State, UNLV, Fresno State, Boise State, and SMU. That gets them to 10 and keeps them at least competitive at 10. Okay, they can't pay all those exit fees right away, and they have to get them by next year to keep their A5 status. Uh, so it's not really possible. Plus, Hawaii doesn't have a stadium right now. It's been condemned. They're playing on their on-campus practice facility, so that makes it hard for them to do it. Plus, the travel, it's five hours from Los Angeles to get to Hawaii. That's why they're kind of in this weird spot anyway. It sucks for them, but uh, that's the nature of it, and they love football out, out there. But, yeah, that um, while that's like – an idea it's just not feasible for right now that's why the the problem remains of you couldn't just go and add mountain west schools 
you the San Diego State situation shows you why they can't because they'd have to get them all to pay $34 million right away. The Mountain West is not going to negotiate that down for an immediate collapse of their own conference right now. This wouldn't be a one-school thing. This isn't now San Diego State leaving. This would then be going to the Mountain West and going, we will take, we'll take everyone who wants to come here. Well, then the Mountain West, the teams that are remaining, are like, okay, you all owe us $34 million, and most of them don't have that kind of cash on hand and don't want to pay out over the years, so they have to wait till it went down to 17, which is 2025, which doesn't do the Pac-12 any or the Pac-4 any favors because they need to be at least to six to be a real conference by the start of 2024. Very well said, Paul. And so that that that's nice to just add a bunch of people, but there are – there are issues. I mean, again, San Diego State, remember, thought they were going to be a part of the, 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 the Pac-12. They were going to have to – wanted to get out early, pay $17 million. Eventually, that fell apart. $34 million is the cost. It is. And if it's for them, it's for a lot of other people. Black and Gold Banneret asking me on Twitter. So, to recap, the shares of the four two teams that are joining the conference this year, 2023-24, around $18 million. 24-25 for those four schools, again – UCF, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati is probably around 19 million something. And then 25 and 26, the 31.7 that is a full share now, that's the average, remember. And so it's probably going to be somewhere in that neighborhood, give or take a million, but it would be what everyone else in the conference is getting and will get next year. They'll get it in 25 and 26. Coming up next, Billy Embody covers SMU. He's next. This is. 365 sports ideal mri dr rob maxi what an idea in what they do they're in the central texas marketplace in waco they have an mri machine that i have experienced and texan specialists that make that experience a lot easier for someone like me who can get a little jittery when it comes to close spaces i i just don't like it uh, but they have been amazing. I've been to a couple of other MRI machines before, and it just felt like they were like a car wash. Uh, not with them. They are great from the time you get the appointment set up to the time where your doctor wants the information, the images, and the uh, it's in the portal. You know, using a college football term, it's in the portal for the patient, you, and for your doctor, what they need to see. Shoulder, back, leg mine i also had from an abdomen to just kind of make sure everything was okay when it comes to uh, prostate cancer not that i have it but because it's been in the family uh, rob maxi and company will also guarantee that you'll never pay more than 497 dollars the average is $1,100. You can do the math. That's a heck of a savings. You get the images you need. You'll find out why something hurts you. And maybe it's not that it's hurting you. It's, it's just something else. You can have some sort of other rehab. But you're going to get the information. The evidence. Film don't lie. And $497 every time or less at Ideal MRI in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
Bourbon Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma, and they have to come here. They're used to lights, they're used to water in their mouth, they're used to experience, they already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight year old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers everybody the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction with a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you. Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. So earlier today, I reached out to Billy Embody. I think he will get a kick out of this as well and I said to him so how much of this SMU and the possibility of whatever it might be remember for a while it was the Pac-12 and then all of a sudden it flares up it could be the ACC and Billy basically said every um, I think every breath of every day and he joins us with Paul Catalina I'm David Smoke Craig Smoke just went to Baylor football practice on 365 sports has it really been like that? And, and it's like, it's good that it's there, but how much are you spending time on this? Yeah, this is this has dominated uh, the SMU message boards for a year now. Uh, whether it be the Pac-12, any glimmer of hope from the Big 12, or even the ACC to a, to a lesser degree because the ACC has moved in relative silence. Uh, but when I tell you, it, 
you can have a recruiting commitment. You can have spring practice, spring game, whatever. People are wondering, well, did you hear anything new on realignment? What's the latest out there? Is there any chance? What's the buzz? I, it, it's been nonstop. I, I got to commend some of uh, our members at OnThePonyExpress.com. They, uh, they keep that realignment thread buzzing every day. Billy, so what we've heard is they're willing to not take um, a media share for a few years to get in. Um, one, is is that really the case, or, or what kind of share would they be getting? And what do they feel their realistic chances are to get in? Because they might be the last of the group of five that has a real shot at this for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so I was skeptical when I saw the reports about no rev, no share coming SMU's way. I, I just thought, really, are they going to go completely zero and just kind of try to give it all up? But I've gotten it confirmed through a couple sources that that is indeed the case for roughly five years at this point. And who knows? There's this is yeah, they're going back and forth. Their presidents are in discussion with the ACC. They're not in yet. Maybe there's another round of negotiating so to speak and and we'll see how that you know ends up looking on the on the back end of things if it does happen but right now SMU is willing to give up five years of revenue from the conference from the television deal to get in um in in a piece of that of course and what would that what that would mean is that those conference schools would get that portion divided up and they would be given that instead of it going to SMU, which would create roughly about three to four million dollars a year in new money for these schools, depending on how well the ACC network and some of these other financial implications go when it comes to their TV deal as things progress over the years. So as ESPN looks back through the books and see how things went, uh, that would that share and the, the, that money would be divided up. So that means SMU would be foregoing that money. Obviously, a, a full share member is around, I think, 30-something million dollars, a little bit more than that in the ACC. Um, and the big thing with them right now is trying to hold off Florida State and Clemson, trying to whet their appetite uh, to stay longer, or at least kick the can down the road a little bit. And if you add SMU, you add Cal and Stanford. It hasn't been something that has been floated as a, well, SMU or Cal – or, or Stanford, it, it seems like if SMU gets added, it's going to be with Cal and Stanford. There's a potential that only Cal and Stanford get added. But the most buzz I've heard has at least been around those three schools as a whole being talked about being added because SMU would bridge the central time zone to the West Coast. And Cal and Stanford would take around 50%, which would give them give the schools roughly 6 to $8 million, again, kind of depending on how the numbers work out. Uh, in new money per year. So that's a large portion of the pitch from SMU and these schools. Now, on the flip side for SMU, could this happen? It very well could. This is something that, uh, that SMU has been working on for well over a year. Everybody talks about the Big 12 because of a lot of the regional rivalries and the past and things like that. The Pac-12 was very public in terms of how everything was going down. But SMU continued to work avenues with the ACC. And even kind of dating back to May, I heard from a couple of people that felt like, hey, this isn't a situation where SMU's been told no, they've been told go away, 
they haven't certainly been told, hey, this is looking good. You're going to be in like the Pac-12 had kind of given some indications. But they said, let's keep talking. Let's keep our options open because there's a lot of kind of similarities in terms of mindset that SMU has that some of the ACC schools have. And so SMU kept doing that. Their leadership kept on them, their consultants, uh, their board of trustees chair, David Miller has been very involved. And it's something that they've just continued to go through. And so I think as the wake-up call happened with the Pac-12, where, look, these schools are not going to be honest with you most of the time. They're going to look out for themselves. I think the ACC is motivated because they don't want to look up in however long and see that Florida State Clemson have left. Now they're down to 10 plus Notre Dame, so kind of 11 or however you want to count Notre Dame. And then UNC and NC State say, well, okay, we've got to do something now to get out ahead of this because we're going to be left behind too. So adding Cal, Stanford, and SMU would solidify the ACC from a numbers perspective that you could weather that storm and keep yourself in the discussion as one of the top conferences. Billy, uh, SMU has money. We know that. And sometimes people take that for granted. But we know that they have an incredible alumni and donor base. Uh, they have they have been waiting for this opportunity. Now, they were kind of toyed with, I guess, because of the Pac-12, and that did not work out. Are they willing or do – I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you because you're the one that covers it. Are they willing to have others who would write checks to offset anything else they would need to make sure this happened? Yeah, so I, I was talking with a couple people, and look, the what they're giving up basically – would be the $7 million, and quite frankly, and you mentioned it, SMU has that type of money where that's not viewed as a roadblock. Mm-hmm. The $7 million that they currently get from the AAC, if it disappeared tomorrow and the league folded, there would be people that would step up and say, okay, we got this, we'll fill in this, we'll fill in that. It might take a second, but this is something SMU has been planning for, taking a reduced share, taking a hefty discount and now i think they know that with the acc they would have to give it up to get in and there's a group that i think and have been told are highly motivated there are people at the top like david miller and others that have been this has been their life uh, for the last year trying to get smu into the power five ranks or now power four ranks i guess and they're ready to put the bill they're ready to write it off and say, yes, we asked for this. We want our program to be in this club, uh, which is, you know, ever evolving, but we want our program to be in this club, give ourselves the best chance to move forward at a high level of collegiate athletics. And to do that, we got to all put the bill. So let's divide it up. Let's make this happen. And we can be in the ACC. That's been their message. And I've been told that the $7 million and let's just call it change for um, you know, assuming that they'll kick in some more money year to year to show that they're even more committed to the ACC and doing it at a power five level, which they have been, which, you know, 200 plus million dollars in facilities the last couple of years uh, going up, they are all in and they will foot that uh, delta of media money uh, with no questions asked. So, Billy, I mean, you they've been preparing for this. Do you think that they could make a pretty seamless transition into into competing in the league? I, I think so. And what I mean by that, though, is, one, you've got to see SMU this year 
kick the door down and be in a conference champion, be in the conference championship game for the AAC. You've got to see them win 10 games. You would really like to see them win the league. We know what SMU has done with NIL and their two collectives, which are, you know, among the top ones just nationally. They've dumped about $4 million a year into it, which is really impressive. But you've got to kick the door down and become a winner. You know, one 10-win season and however many years it's been, this year, if they can steal one or two of the OU-TCU out-of-conference games that they have, plus appear in the conference championship or win it, that is the, okay, they've shown they can get to that next level. they vanquished some of the past in terms of not being able to win some of the big games. Now you feel a little bit better in terms of where the program is really headed long-term for a Power 5 conference, which once you get in, you can recruit better. You don't have to maybe NIL as much to beat out a Power 5 school to get a kid to come or however it all works out. These are all now factors that work in your favor. Then you can build a little bit better depth. You can build a little bit better talent. You can pay your coaches more. You can do whatever at a higher level because you're in a you know Power 4, Power 5, whatever it is now. And that makes the transition a little bit better. So SMU has a team to win a conference championship this year. They absolutely need to do that or be in that game come December. And that would show a really good sign that things can be headed in the right direction long term. And then as you get into the ACC, you can continue to stockpile a little bit more talent and be ready to compete. I don't think this is a league that SMU would walk into and be at the bottom of the conference. I think there are some schools that are doing a pretty good job in the ACC of kind of owning that seller right now. And if SMU can have another strong transfer class going into the 2024 season, and let's just say it all works out and they somehow get into the ACC, they're, they're probably not a favorite by any means, but they're middle of the road right where they should be entering the league. You know, uh, would this be for 2024? For next, not Obviously not this year. Would it be for 2024 when all the other realignment changes take effect? So they are pushing for 2024, and um, that's another factor in this one, too, where SMU's donors are willing to pay that exit fee for the AAC to get in in 2024, which would probably be negotiated to about $10 million or so or 15 kind of in that range. And they're ready to write that check. They were ready to write it for the Pac-12, and um, they, they want to get into the club as soon as possible. And they know that even waiting a year could scuttle that if – things can happen between now and 2025 all right uh billy we appreciate it. there's a note uh, i'm going to put the tweet up can we do that at the same time garrett when we have billy on to let you know i saw larry williams covers clemson for tigers illustrated he put out a report that notre dame is pushing hard for the cal stanford edition because they are a voting member of the acc uh, do you feel like that one's a lock, or do you feel like that one's, like, let's say one, and then SMU would be possibly two? I think it'd be really wise for the ACC to add Cal and Stanford just because they're already in the club. You you know what you're getting for the most part with those two programs. But I'll say this. The stability is with the numbers. And in terms of trying to dig around on – well, is it Cal and Stanford or SMU, or is it Cal, Stanford, and SMU? I tend to dig around away from SMU on that. And from what I've gathered, it seems like there's more momentum to add all three versus just add two. So I think when sometimes 
people kind of talk about it, you're going to talk about the two Power Five teams or current Power Five or whatever they are, I guess, at this point, teams that are in the mix. But if you're going to add Cal, outside of them being right down the road from Stanford, that is a athletic department that's a complete mess. Mm -hmm. They have no money. They have debt. They haven't been committed to winning in a, at a high level. I mean, I don't think Sonny Dykes would crush them publicly, but I'm sure you could ask him about it, uh, and he'd give you a, a read-between-the-lines answer on it. It's just not a good place to be right now. And that is why I feel, and I've gotten a sense from a couple sources, that if they add two, they're going to add three. And SMU is the team that's committed and gives them Texas out of those three. Um, so, I mean, if you kind of did a power rankings, it would almost be Stanford, SMU, edging out Cal. Is there anybody that's in the ACC right now that SMU needs to suck up to pretty quickly? <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because Florida State and Clemson are trying to get out. <laughs> we, we know that. But in the interim, before they figure that out, this deal would give them a nice little chunk of change. I know it's not much, but it would it would help. It would be six to seven million dollars. I think those two schools are key because they are power figures. Everybody's trying to listen to them. North Carolina, I've heard interesting, interestingly enough, is one that SMU needs to uh, kind of get in good graces with a little bit more. But you know, Mac Brown interviewed for the SMU job all those years ago. I'm surprised uh, he hasn't said it's, it'd be a good ad for the league. So, um, those are kind of the initial ones that I feel like they've got to get in good with. Is the the true power brokers of this league. Billy, good stuff, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time from on3.com. Billy, unbuddy covers SMU and also LSU, and we appreciate that. We have some super chats to get to here before we take our next break. Yeah, I, I, I would worry if I'm SMU and Cal and Stanford that, and Cal and Stanford probably know this more than SMU does, Cal and Stanford's conference, conference could have expanded before all this happened, and two schools that were leaving it, voted against it, USC and UCLA. So mm. I'm sure Cal and Stanford are, are probably going, you guys are going to vote for this, right? Like, everybody's going to vote for this. Mm -hmm. we, because if, if they have enough voting against it. Now, look, Florida State could have made their own bed and that maybe they're not as powerful if they say, no, we don't want them. We're like, well, if you guys want to leave anyway, then double birds to you. You're just going to have to you know, take this extra money we're going to give you and be happy with it for a little bit until you figure out a way out. I don't know. This is such a bizarre situation with the ACC in that they're at this point where they're like, all right, well, because, look, geographically, SMU makes more sense. And SMU makes more sense to the ACC in doing what the Big 12 did and moving outside of your comfort zone and adding a school in a major market. Uh, look, it's, it's not the same because SMU is a much smaller school than UCF. Most schools are smaller than UCF. But if you say, okay, well, if the Big 12 is going into Florida, then we better go into Texas. You know, let's fight fire with fire here and and see what happens. And then the other ones are just like, well, we might as well add because we can get numbers. There's Stanford and Cal, and, you know, all the, all the schools can have this big research grant and all that stuff, fine. But at the end of it, it just – it's so strange to try to make it all work. You know, it's amazing is that we saw for months and months and months, what, 13 months, what was going to happen to the Pac-12. Finally, you get Colorado. And, of course, all of them could have said, no, we're staying. And you had the drama Friday with Arizona, Arizona State, and then also Utah. So that story kind of like now is set, right? And 
Florida State raised their leg up last week or tried to pound their chest. And here now, it's about the ACC and what they're going to do because Stanford and Cal are available or SMU's trying to find their way in. And then even then, uh, it may not be over. So uh, here's some super chats. First of all, Kyle A, $5, thank you, are starting a Utah helmet fund to put behind you. Uh, thank you. We'll put it up there. If it's there, we'll put it up there. Uh, we'll probably have the BYU and Utah helmets facing each other like we've done with some of the other rivalries. All, all the time. They'll Blake, never be apart. No, no. <laughs> Blake, uh, thank you. How likely do you think SMU ends up in the ACC by 2024? If they're at it, it will be 2024. And, Blake, I asked the uh, question because of your super chat. Thank you for that. I actually think right now it's it's 50-50 on the ACC adding anybody. And so I'll say I'll just say fifty fifty. I, I think All that right. I think that the SMU will come for free for five years to show you where we're going to be good, happy members, and then that gets you through. I I've often wondered about the ACC. Why don't you, if enough of you have a problem with the grant of rights and there's nowhere else for everybody to go, why don't you just renegotiate the grant of rights? Like get together and go. Okay, let's renegotiate this and like make it a little bit more palatable for everybody. So that we're not all stuck the next time it comes around. Why would ESPN allow that? Well, I mean, if you have your other partner wants to say, like, hey, can we come to the table? Like, try, if they're all willing to do it, if they're not all willing to do it, then not. But. Yeah. And the grant of rights is between, remember, the members and the conference. Yeah. And the conference's relationship is with the network. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, the, the ACC's TV rights would still live with ESPN. But it would allow teams that maybe wanted it's like, to... Is it like renegotiating or like get, uh, refinancing your house? Yeah, like if there's a way to do it, I don't know. This is all, all very right. strange. But. All right, from Keston Walker. I hope I, th- I said that right. Uh, Walther, thank you for your incredible content. Thank you. Currently in Germany, I look forward to listening to your podcast on a daily basis. Please note, I am wholeheartedly opposed to any exclusionary Jim Crow law-based CFP invitational. Well, is that maybe Thank like you what, very much. what uh, Greg Sankey kind of alluded to, you know, and then changing all of that? Yeah, I think that they need to make it a completely uh, inclusionary when it comes to everybody. I mean, that's the problem we had before. And, you know, sometimes how much better – think about how much better your life is at work, even though sometimes you don't need to do something. If you do something, it shuts everybody up about it. Like, we're doing it. It's not a big deal. You know, hasn't changed much for us, you know, but if you let everybody have an opportunity at the playoff, then they can't complain about it anymore and you don't have to constantly answer questions about it anymore. So nobody's really being hurt because the power conferences are still going to have most of the teams in. And look, if, if there's a two lane in there, that's better than the, the, you know, the fourth or fifth best team in the SEC and that team doesn't get in. Well, guess what? Fourth or fifth best team get better. Ohio State will be looking for a new athletic director. Gene Smith will retire a year from now or a little bit less than a year from now in July of 2024. That's a big boy job right there. Uh, Gene Smith moving on. And also Ohio State starts to look for an AD. USC, of course, has been in their early stages, perhaps even deeper than that, when it comes to their replacing uh, their AD. The Mountain West released a statement. Conferences do this. We saw way too many from the Pac-12 without anything really coming out of it. Monday night, admitting that the, the board of directors, 12 presidents, met to reaffirm the collective commitment to the conference and its future. 
The recent changes in membership composition in several conferences, the Mountain West, exploring all opportunities to strengthen the league, including the addition of new member schools. Chairperson Garnett Stokes of New Mexico, Gloria Navarez, the commissioner, will be the voice of the conference as they lead ongoing exploration. So there's a statement. The Pac-12 put out more statements, and it got to the point, I think Andy Staples put out the ones that they put out with the dates on them, and in the end, it didn't work well. We'll see what Mountain West Conference will do. When we come back, he's the director of athletics at West Virginia, Ren Baker. His thoughts about all of what we've seen with the Big 12. His thoughts about giving schools who are going to be moving from one timeline to another or crossing into two. About how West Virginia has handled it, even though he's been there just for a short amount of time. And also, do they feel isolated? Do they like the, the idea of somebody in their time zone besides UCF or Cincinnati near them? The possibility is that on the table, at least in their opinion, their ideas and yes, Arizona State with a shot across the bow today, they um, they apologized. And Ray Anderson spoke to Ren. We'll discuss that. This is 365 Sports. PettyClinicLowT.com. Dr. Kent Petty and his staff can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and probably used to be. As you get older, not everybody, one out of about three or four men, have symptomatic issues of low testosterone. The one that gets all of the attention, it seems like, is ED, uh, sex drive, not the same. Something's missing, and it happens. It, 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 and it's something that I would think, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, man, you just did, it was, you didn't discuss it. It was embarrassing. It happens. You look at all the commercials now about that, and Petty Clinic Low T can help you with that if you're suffering from any kind of issues, including focus, energy, and more, even your sleep habits, but also, as I mentioned, it what it's like for you when it comes to your sex drive. Dr. Petty, this is what they'll do. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com, look for the email and phone number, contact them they will then set for you to get set up for you to get blood give blood get the donut uh the uh the results he will pay for that and if your testosterone levels are too low he can then offer you uh, an option of helping you get your testosterone levels where they need to be it's dr kent petty petty clinic low t.com Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC. See an equal housing lender. 
Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the sick'em sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Craig went to Baylor football practice. He'll be back here sometime in the next probably half an hour. We're now joined by West Virginia Director of Athletics and a great friend of the show in Ren Baker, Paul Catalina with me, David Smoke. Well, um, how are you doing, Ren? I'm doing great, guys. It's, uh, it's beautiful here in, in uh, West Virginia. And so last week, and you, you all appreciate this, and as somebody who grew up in Oklahoma and spent the last uh, six-plus years in Texas and have followed your weather these last few weeks, we had a heat advisory last week, and, and uh, I looked at my phone to see what the temperature was going to be, and the high was expected to be 89. So uh, that, that uh, tells you about summers in West Virginia. It, they're going, it's going great. Our, our team is working and looking good. All of our fall sports teams have started practice, and so 
Uh, we're just excited to get the school year underway. With the 89-degree temperature, that was a shot across our bow, and now I am in the Ray Anderson. Uh, <laughs> no, Actually, I'm the exact opposite. I will absolutely come to Morgantown. Yeah, Town. absolutely. I, yeah. Like, I, I've been thinking about it more uh, since you said that. Like, mm. it's just, man. 80, and I bet Greenbrier is probably just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. oh good Lord. Well, and we, you know, here we consistently uh, get a, a lot of rain, so things just stay so uh, so green throughout the year. And um, I really, this is my first summer to spend here, and so I, we haven't been here. But um, and Heather and I certainly love uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and and uh, that's where all of our family is. And, uh, but um, we we've been so pleasantly surprised with how how wonderful the summers uh, are here, and there's just so much to see and do outdoors, um, whether it's hiking or uh, kayaking or you know, river floats, whatever uh, whatever it is you want to do, and so it, it is a great uh, great place to visit. Um, now you draw those later games in the schedule. Once it turns cold, it's probably not as enjoyable for some of the visiting teams. But if you if you get those early uh, September uh, and early October games, it's it's a beautiful place to visit. So, Ren, uh, just to get it out of the way, I mean, you, Ray Anderson made the, the comment that he made. You guys have, have talked. Everybody's made up now. They're, they're members of the conference moving forward. But how do you – I mean, because these things do pop up from time to time in, in college sports. Like, How did you deal with it, and how do you – you know, how did you get to the point where you guys kind of moved past it? Um, you know, I, I never uh, – I didn't get real upset by it. I, I, you know, we've all – we do enough of these interviews, and, and probably all of us have had a, a, a comment here or there. Sometimes we're trying to be funny or say something just, and it doesn't land quite like you would think it would. And, um, and um, so so I didn't um, – I, I wasn't ever uh, angry about it uh, necessarily. But if, if you come to West Virginia, one thing that – um, people uh, will learn about West Virginians is they love this place very dearly, um, and they want other people to 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 give it a chance. And um, you know, and so when someone says something like that, and I, and I shared this with Ray, I said probably of any fan base, uh, ours would probably take that most personal because it is a place that's very endeared um, to the hearts of West Virginians, and and uh, they don't feel like there's probably as much appreciation from others outside the state as as what maybe there should be, and so. Um, and so, you know, I, I, uh, I, I made the uh, tweet that I did, which I, I, I think most people read it to, to be aimed at that comment. And in full transparency, it was. But I do tweet a lot about in my time here, um, West Virginia, and just the beauty of it. I had not spent much time here, and I've been blown away um, at just how gorgeous every corner of the state is as I've gotten out to meet people. And, um, and so, you know, my, my tweet was really more aimed at, um, at uh, showing some affirmation for our fan base of just how special that this place is for everybody who, who gives it a chance. And, um, and so I got a great call from Ray on Monday. We know each other um, a little bit. We've, we've met and talked some over the years. Um, one of Arizona State's best donors is a, is a good friend of mine, lives about a mile from me there in Argyle. And, um, and so um, he was very kind and gracious and, and, uh, and, uh, and apologized and, and um, he even told me that uh, the person that he got in the most trouble from over that was his wife, that she, she got on him a little bit. So I told him I'm used to a wife that's applying discipline. That happens a lot at the Baker house as well. So uh, we had a great visit, and I told him, I said, hey, he said, I'm sure when I come there I'll get a hard time. I said, that's the thing about West Virginians, man. They're going to want to show you so much how mm-hmm. great it is here. 
that you probably need to start thinking now about how you're going to get all your pepperoni rolls because you <laughs> get a bunch of them delivered to you. So, um, and that's that's the way that the people here are. They're just they're some of the best people you'll ever find anywhere. So it's behind us. We're excited to have Arizona State. We're excited for the future of the Big Twelve. Um, you know, both Mac and I throughout the process were very very much in support of. Uh, both Arizona schools and and uh, we we both uh, you know Mac being from there being an alum of Arizona we just felt like that would be a great addition to the league and so I'm very excited despite the geographic challenges it could present for West Virginia um, I'm very excited about what that means for the Big 12. So uh, I want to get to that because that was one of my questions about you suggesting or giving recommendations to others and vice versa about the travel. So has Brett Yormark or anyone from the Big 12 told you when that game at home against Arizona State's going to be in 2024? <laughs> well, I think poetic justice would be that it's the first one right off the bat. Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I know President Gee would love to uh, love to uh, host President Crow and, and uh, all the folks at Arizona State as well. I think he was already sent up sent out a letter uh wanting uh, offering his uh, hospitality so you know we'll we'll let the conference schedules fall like they fall but uh we'd be uh we love to show uh this place off and we we would love to show it off to the fans there at arizona state and and uh, as well as uh colorado arizona and utah so we're excited to to uh, be able to extend our brand and reach and and uh, we're also excited for our fans to get a chance to to uh, learn those other programs and and uh, get a chance to, to maybe um, see a part of the world they haven't seen before. I don't know how many of our fans, uh, you know, make it to Utah, but but uh, Utah is also a very beautiful state. I've had a chance to go there several times over the years, and uh, it'd be that'll be even though it's a far trip, it'll be some great trips as we develop those rivalries. You um, obviously not having been there long, but the the team's been in the conference where they've had to go across the time zone uh, every time that they've, they've played a road game uh, essentially uh, for, for a decade now. Plus uh, what are, what is the research or the results tell you on how your student athletes overall quality of life is doing that when it comes to managing being a student athlete and certain games like sports that might play two games a week that might have to be on the road twice and and do all that what is what have you seen at West Virginia of how to deal with that because the the further West Coast schools are going to have to deal with that in in a in a bigger way too yeah it's definitely tough and and any coach will tell you um, you know, whether it's for a conference or non-conference game, uh, um, behind-the-scenes coaches hate crossing those time zones. It just messes with you. And so for us, I mean, we come there and uh, let's say we play a 7 o'clock uh, central um, tip for basketball. Um, you know, that's, that's 8 Eastern. And, and so we're going to be rolling in, uh, you know, by uh, – it'll be four or five in the morning for, for a basketball game coming in like that. I mean, many times I, uh, by the time I get rolled into to, uh, my driveway, it was close to four, if not a little after. And so, um, you know, that you do that over and over again, it, it becomes tougher. Now football, um, you're talking about uh, six road games a, or six, uh, nine, you know, potentially road games, sometimes five a year. And, and um, so, you know, it's a little it becomes a little more manageable but it does really mess up your sunday and, and different coaches handle sunday uh, a little differently um, and so it's interesting if you look at just about every sport we have at our win percentage and our home court home field advantage is big for everybody but it's more pronounced here at, at wvu if you look at for instance our basketball team's road record the last few years 
versus our home record, it's drastically different. So it's difficult for teams to come here, and I remind our coaches of that. I said, listen, um, it's difficult for us when we go on the road, but it's difficult for teams when they have to come here uh, as well. So we got to use that as an advantage. And then we try uh, in the sports that we can to, to uh, uh, charter when we can and charter comfortably, you know, give the kids some room to stretch out. Um, we try to always make sure we have Wi-Fi where they can use some of that time working on their studies. You know, you try and take it a disadvantage and, and neutralize it as much as you can. Um, the conference has also been good for us, especially in some of the Olympic sports, to try um, to adjust the schedules. Baseball, for instance, um, you know, they start us out later than everybody else. Now, how that will all work with the new conference, um, you know, uh, membership, we'll, we'll see. But um, I'll say this, the Big 12 leadership has tried to be very accommodating and understanding and um, with having Cincinnati and, and UCF, uh, that doesn't make things over here perfect, but at least it gives us um, some trips that are in our time zone. Ren, is it also, if you look at it, it's all driven by money or TV money, and football is mainly the reason. Is Are, are you, as a college athletics professional, losing sight of some of what is what is athletics in a way because of the expansion of realignment? Well, um, I definitely think that uh, it's uh, it's changed the dynamic of of the way that conferences are in rivalries for sure. And um, listen, if if we were to blow this thing up and start from scratch today, there's no way we would design it the way that it is. First of all, I think we would just affiliate football only and then bring everything else into conferences. And I'm not so sure we wouldn't. Um, say, hey, this would make a lot more sense to go into almost like uh, states do their high school playoffs. Let's have districts, regionals, and area, and, uh, and and that kind of stuff, and, and let's try and do this geographically. Um, but, you know, uh, there there is no question that of the buckets that come into most universities, um, that uh, the TV money is, is one of, if not the biggest. And um, and those, uh, and it, that's really important. And, um, you know, people, um, can, um, uh, we can all lament that that's where it's at, um, and, and, and be sad about what, what was lost. Um, but, you know, I even, there was a couple of coaches I saw that, that come out and, uh, and, uh, kind of bash this realignment move and you know what it does for the student athlete experience well i guarantee those same coaches are trying to spend every dollar they can get their hands on and so so they're just as much a part of this as as everybody else because there's just an unquenchable thirst for more from a resource perspective and when you look at leagues that you compete with and they're in your region so the sec the big 10 for us as well um, and, and they're cashing bigger checks than uh, you are, and you're looking ahead of, of things and seeing that disparity growing in your fan base. You know, when we play Kentucky and something, they want us to win. They expect us to win. But Kentucky's cashing those SEC checks, and, and we're not. And so those are those are real dynamics. They, they go into play, um, and, um, you know, unfortunately – um, it, it has definitely caused some, some realignment head scratchers in terms of just the geography of it all. And, and, and uh, I think that's unfortunate. Maybe we get to a place at some point where we do break out uh, some of the sports away from, from some of the others because it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to send a, a, a soccer team or a volleyball team uh, all the way to Utah and fly over however many schools we fly over um, and many times they're on commercial planes, and most of the time they're on commercial planes. And so, 
Um, you know, I, I think we we're all aware that uh, that's something that's on our that's on the radar screen. We need to be thinking about. We need to be talking about. It's going to be a big point of discussion, I would imagine, for us in the Big Twelve as we start to talk about scheduling. Um, but um, it it is the the byproduct of of I mean, you know, TV's not the enemy here. They're contributing hundreds of millions of dollars every year in the athletic programs. Uh, but but in exchange for that, they they gotta they have to have the games that are of the most value uh, to them, and uh, that's just part of it. Yeah, Ren, I, I've I've asked that question to to many different people, athletic directors, Linda Livingstone, presidents of universities. If that is something, and it seems like there is at least moderate you know, kind of common sense support for that going forward, because something you'd mentioned about flying commercially of all the advances we've had in technology over the years and all the things that are happening, commercial flying is not getting easier. And it's probably really hard when you've got 25 athletes and 10 coaches and whoever else on a plane that, you know, has to deal with everything else that just anybody flying has to deal with. No, there's no question, you know, the amount of equipment and logistics and um, all of that, and, and uh, you know, and then you're trying to get, uh, you know, a lot of times athletes, um, they may have injuries, where so you're trying to get them in an exit row or an aisle seat, or, or, or sometimes they're just big kids, you know, and so, um, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it is pretty amazing. Um, you know, at North Texas, our, our basketball team, uh, we chartered some, but they flew commercially some, and invariably I would I would get a text from a friend of mine that was on the flight with our team and as uh, some six ten kid in the middle row with his legs scrunched up, and uh, and so you know those are th- those are hard uh, those are hard to do and and the, there's a big difference between a flight that is a couple hours and a flight that's five hours right I mean that's a that's a significant uh, significant difference and so you know I, I think it's important for us um, to look at can we schedule in pods or divisions um, and, and cut down on travel? Now you're going to hear coaches talk about, you know, equity and did I get all the hard teams and the other divisions easier, but that stuff tends to level out and average out over, over time. I mean, you look at uh, the basketball teams that are in this league now, for instance, and they all have had moments of great tradition and strong programs. And so any given year, yeah, you could have a cluster where, you know, two or three of the better teams are in a certain pod, but um, that's going to, over time, um, the law of averages will kick in. And, and we have so access to so many metrics now, whether it be Ken Palm or the net score or, you know, whatever uh, the case may be. There, there's a lot of objective ways to rank teams when it comes to postseason tournaments and that kind of stuff that doesn't, doesn't require the head-to-head, um, uh, even though the traditionalists and all of us would love that head-to-head data point. We can't uh, we can't diminish the student athlete experience to 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 uh, a place where uh, we're just chasing head to heads and there there was a much cleaner way to schedule and, and not take near as much of their time. Rand, I know you've given us a lot of time. You when you moved to West Virginia and took over that job, which we're thrilled for you. I mean, it's not been the greatest, you know, whatever how many months it's been. You had to kind of get involved in some things right from the start. You were ready for that. Did you learn much of that crisis management while working with Mac at, at Missouri? Can you kind of give us some insight on that? Yeah. Um, 
so I, let me say this first about the job. You do this long enough, and, and it's like any industry, right? You you all are in Texas. You know the oil and gas. There's been so many booms and busts. And, and uh, when I was in Missouri, you know, it was always uh, all the big money people in Missouri were farmers where I was at at Northwest Missouri. And they were so tight. And I would always say, like, we're having, you're going to have a record year. And they said, yeah, we're, we could have a drought in two weeks. Mm. In two weeks, we could be in the middle of a drought. So, you know, they're always kind of planning for it. And that's kind of the way it is in, in, in athletics. I mean, um, you know, Baylor had a stretch there where they had a lot yep. of really hard times. And, um, sometimes when it's kind of your turn, that's just the way that it, that's just the way that it is. You have to deal with, you have to deal with it. And so what I have told people is when I was assessed in this job, what I was the most worried about, was my the family aspect. Heather and I are both from Oklahoma. Uh, we had lived in Texas. Uh, when we were there at, uh, in, at UNT, we were within three hours of every family member we had. So my big concern in moving here was how is this going to impact my family? Um, and I will tell you that even though this is uh, further from home, uh, with my family has loved it. I, I, I've made this comment, and I always knock on wood as I say it, but I've not come home to tears one time yet. So um, you know, that part has been a joy and a pleasure. And the people here have welcomed us with open arms. And, um, and so, um, you know, the job, uh, eventually, uh, that those things will, will get corrected what we can correct and we'll deal with the curveballs that are thrown to us. And we've been thrown a few, but, uh, you know, that if you're going to cash those checks, you, you have to be ready to do the job. Um, in terms of just managing through that, uh, I, you know, I would say of all the things that I learned from Mac, um, communication and leadership during a crisis is probably at the top of that list. And, um, you know, he, he is so, uh, disciplined in his approach to those situations. Um, so methodical in his communication tree and in the way that he assesses things, he has most of that stuff written out and put in the, the binder after binder. And I used to make fun of him for it. <laughs> um, and, uh, I will tell you that um, of all things I learned from him, and I've learned a lot, and he's a, he's a dear, dear friend and mentor. Um, uh, that was that's probably at the top of the list, and we certainly, you know, that was a, a rough year that we had at Missouri. But he and I really forged a friendship while we were there, and and I learned so much from him during that time, and, I, and I'm thankful for it. Now, not so thankful I was that I won't give him a hard time. I've tried to call him three times today to to, to just tell him he is fake news because of the numbers he threw out in distribution. <laughs> yesterday on, on your show and you all had to correct it today so i'm i'm oh he's dug, he's dug in my call he knows what i want but but i you know i'm just gonna tell him you're fake news and hang up that's that's my plan when he answers okay now we we started the show with that ren and mac may have been thinking we were talking about a different part of the entrance into the big 12 so stop don't do that he's you know uh but i know you will even if we say no but yeah, we did. We had to start off and kind of make sure we we've never had to do a retraction before. It's something we're we're, we're we're pretty proud of because we don't we're not trying to get things first. We just kind of repeated what he said. But I went back and listened to it, and there could have been some definite clarification on both sides of us going. All right, you said everybody, but when? Mm-hmm. Because we just kind of left that detail out, and he said it. We just straight ran through it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, good, good deal. That's what he said. Let's go. Yeah. Paul's looking. Paul wants to work in the Baylor athletic department. I, and, and. <laughs> uh, well, I've already I've already told Kevin Gall to get his boss in line. Stop letting your guys just throw out random numbers on radio shows. Oh my God! And I, I I talked to Kevin a little bit earlier today as well about what you were discussing. 
Hey, good luck. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, this conference continues to blossom and gets bigger. And uh, the, the networks are behind it. And it, it's just the start. And now everyone's worried about what's going to happen with the ACC or Cal Stanford or SMU or whatever. We appreciate your time. And you gave us a bunch of it. And have a very uh, great the rest of your Wednesday and the rest of the week. Well, thank you guys for having me. And, and let me just say this about about the people. If you think about where things were, and I was at North Texas, mm-hmm. where they were two years ago, and, uh, uh, and and where it is today, and we can we can you know uh, uh, be disappointed about what's happening in college athletics and the collapse of a Power Five conference and, and, and the way that the geography is getting spread out. But if you're a fan of the Big Twelve and a fan of an institution in the Big Twelve, you have to be celebrating that you went from, from being in a very precarious position to a position of strength and a position that I think um, puts us all in a great space moving forward. And um, and I will say this not just because Mac is a friend of mine, but Mac and Linda have both provided great leadership uh, during this time. I mean, Linda is the chair of the CEOs. I mean, she has done a phenomenal job, and, and Mac has as much or more respect as anybody uh, in that AD room. And so Baylor – has uh, has certainly been a huge part of shaping the future of the Big 12, and and uh, we're we're excited to be uh, in this together. And there's going to be a lot of bright days ahead. Thank you, Ren. Uh, great stuff, classy as well. Thank you for your time, Ren Baker, director of athletics at West Virginia. Work with Mac at Missouri, of course, was at North Texas prior to that, and we appreciate the, his thoughts uh, on Arizona State and a lot of fun stuff in there as well, but also some down deep in. Uh, uh, you know, in the in the in, I guess in the clay about what's happening and how college athletics and the Big Twelve, et cetera, are working. I, I, I think every time we talk to somebody, they mention that. I think that's where it has to go. You have to break football off and, and basketball. And I think you can do men's and women's basketball. You know, uh, in the in the big conferences, I think women's basketball has the best would have the best lead on making a you know, like a women's sports, you know, like getting a foothold mm-hmm. in that. And I think that's a good thing to do. Men's and women's basketball, yeah. It might be a little tougher because basketball plays two games a week, you know, to do that. But you could make it work in the big conferences basketball better than – because you only play – here's the thing. In a basketball game, you know, you kind of know how long it's going to be. And a lot of these sports, like softball and baseball, you don't. It's but, unlimited. Like volleyball, yeah. There's a, a limited number of sets, but like it can really, it goes pretty quick most of the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't know how long it's going to be. Track, you don't know how long. I mean, like you don't know how you're going to feel. Like you may only run a couple of heats, but you're running your heats at your full thing. You've got to track athletes are finely tuned, like microchips. You well, know, there's no clock. Yeah, and I so mean, well, you just track and field there is there's an end, there's a finish line. But, but at the same time that could last forever. But again, to... you're also track and field more than anything, you know, football you can play through, you know, a bit of a pull or this or whatever, you can kind of fight through it. Baseball you can do it, basketball you can do it. When you are talking about hundreds of a second being the difference between you winning or coming in fifth, mm-hmm. then when you have that, even if it's a minor muscle pull, then you've got to deal with those things. So it's, you've got to treat everything differently, like fairly, but differently. Like you can't, and football, you just have to acknowledge that it's this big, gigantic machine and probably including it and in everything that, that it was the same, even back when the money wasn't the same, was kind of silly. All right. Uh, thank you, Paul. Craig is at practice. So is Jack McKenzie for the site and also for 
Craig will be writing about it. Garrett Ross in studio today juggling. Uh, I mean, here's how it works. Well, we had the guest, and then I had reached out to Ren Baker even Sunday night, not knowing when he would be available. And then, of course, today we hear the story that Ray Anderson reached out to to, 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 to West Virginia. I get a text from Ren. Hey, because I can do today. What's it? And so that was something we didn't know until, what was it, like 2.30 or so? Yep, about 2.30. Uh, and then also with our next guest, Dan Hope of 11 Warriors on Ohio State in their search for a director of athletics. Thanks to all of you uh, who have been in the uh, text line, 254-339-1122, the chat room as well. Hit the like button as you can. Subscribe if you possibly can. We appreciate your time. Tonight at 10.30 and every weeknight, on the local CW, it is 365 Sports Tonight. Emery Winter puts that baby together with his magic and how he can edit. It is crazy good of what he does. This is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, Ted Teague. I always enjoy this because um, I get him. Um, I get a text from him, and, it, and it's like clockwork. Uh, 1.9% APR for 72 months plus employee pricing right now on all of the 2023 Gladiator Sport, the Willys, the Freedom Edition, plus a $1,000 rebate and get no payments for 90 days. Alan Samuels, your one-stop shop with also 25 Dodge Chargers and Challengers, Scat Packs and Hellcats in stock ready to roll. Last call for these high-octane Hemis. Get 2.9% for 72 months on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee, the Limited plus $3,500 rebate, no payments for 90 days. The 2023 Jeep brand vehicles, excluding the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer, 90 days, no payments, and 2.9% financing, 72 months, 1,500 Lone Star Bighorn, the Lone Star, the Bighorn, and Laramie Trucks, of course, those are from Ram. 20% off MSRP on the Lone Stars and the Bighorn Crew Caps. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Ted Teague, the CEO and General Manager, just east of 84 on Loop 340 in Waco. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wraps on there, the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, 
Centennial MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bar, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. Three sixty five Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. You know, we put so much so far these first couple of hours into what has been a craziness of college football realignment and more. And then, oh, by the way, there are stories that go along the way. And we had some of the quotes from Kirk Schultz, Washington State, among some expansion thoughts in the ACC. And then there's Gene Smith, the athletic director of one of the most powerful universities in the country, a big boy school in Ohio State. And we're joined by Dan Hope, the 11 Warriors, who joins us on 365 Sports. Was this something that was surprising? Had it been rumored? Your thoughts, Dan? Thank you. Yeah, it's funny you say the craziness of college football, because when we were told yesterday that there was going to be a press conference with Gene Smith this morning, I thought, oh, it's just we're, we're going to talk to him about Oregon and Washington. You know, he's an influential voice in those conversations with the Big Ten. And so I thought uh, that you know, we were just going to be talking to him about uh, Big Ten expansion, and then we found out that uh, he was going to be retiring today. So it was definitely not something that, you know, we had heard about before this morning, but, you know, sounds like something that, you know, he had been thinking about for a while and decided now is the right time to make that announcement. Yeah, Dan, he's a he's kind of a titan in the industry, not kind of. He is a titan in the industry of athletic directors, and he has been very instrumental in building up one of the best athletic departments in the country uh, obviously, you know, Ohio State probably have to worry about who they're going to hire because they're going to get a lot of good applicants. But will this leave a bit of a void because he was so huge and influential in this role? Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who, you know, by the time he's done next year is going to have been at Ohio State for 19 years. That's a, that's a long time to be the athletic director at one school, which certainly tells you the kind of influence that he has had, not only at Ohio State, but uh, in the Big Ten and across college sports nationally. So I think definitely uh, it leaves huge shoes to fill for sure because he's somebody that, 
you know, like you said, he, he, he's a titan in the industry. He's not just somebody who has uh, made a big impact on Ohio State sports. He's somebody who has been a very influential voice in uh, conversations about college sports at the national level. I mean, he's somebody who, you know, the NCAA had on the panel a few years ago when they realized that, you know, NIL was going to become a thing. You know, he was one of the people that they trusted to kind of help them, you know, figure out how to navigate that new world. And he's somebody who has uh, been in a lot of those kind of committees over the years. And so uh, definitely I think he leaves huge shoes to fill. And whoever ends up filling those shoes is certainly going to have a significant voice as well, just based on the position they'll be taking over. So he was once at Iowa State, once at Arizona State. They're about to be a part of the same conference. You mentioned Washington and Oregon, which came down in a flurry on Friday. What what are your thoughts uh, as a guy who covers, obviously, Ohio State, but the Big Ten and the addition of two pretty damn big names? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a new world of college football, right, where we're seeing that, you know, it, you know, 10 years ago that, you know, we just kind of looked at the Big Ten as a Midwest conference, and now they're becoming this national conference and really now, you know, staking claim to, you know, what you'd probably consider the four biggest brands on the West Coast in college sports. And so, uh, you know, I think, you know, there was always kind of a thought after they added USC and UCLA a year ago that, you know, Oregon and Washington would probably eventually end up in the Big Ten. And, you know, they, they were reticent to do it at the time. Uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, based on what we heard from Gene Smith today, that, you know, a lot of it ultimately coming to pass this past week was Fox stepping up and saying, we'll give you more money to add Oregon and Washington. And obviously money talks in these conversations. And so, you know, I think once the financials worked out, you know, there was an agreement within the Big Ten that, you know, adding, you know, two more big brands to the conference was something that would be good for business going forward. Does this do, – do Ohio State fans get nervous about this? Is this is one more team in the way, or how do they feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about it is it's obviously going to coincide with the expansion to 12-team playoff, right? So it's not necessarily, you know – you're going to add these teams to the conference, but it's not like they're all going to be competing for one playoff berth anymore. Now they could be competing for several playoff berths, and I think that's certainly, from the Big Ten's perspective, one of the biggest reasons why they're adding these schools is because they, when this playoff starts, you know, they want to have three or four teams in the playoff every year. And now, you know, particularly if teams like USC, Washington, Oregon, I mean, teams that have all been in that conversation before, you know, it just gives you that much that many more teams who can be in that conversation. And so certainly I think it's going to make the Big Ten more competitive, and I think it's definitely going to change the landscape a little bit for Ohio State because, you know, in recent years it's really been Ohio State versus Michigan, you know, Penn State in there a little bit as well. But you've kind of had those three teams and then a big drop-off in the Big Ten. That's going to change in a big way next year where you're going to be adding in uh, teams that are certainly going to be real contenders in that conference. Yeah, that I mean it. You know, those are two out. No, they're not. I mean, they have been Washington. Obviously, this year, of course, they're all going to be pretty good in the Pac-12. It looks like to me, Penn State. Speaking of them, I, I know Ohio State and Michigan is like the one and one A, and of course, you got to put them in the right order depending on who you're talking to. But you know, I see a lot of smoke about how good they might be. Are they ready for that level? I think they are. I think you look at the roster that they have this year. I, I, I think this is going to be the strongest roster they've had in several years. You know, we kind of saw them, you know, kind of a mid, you know, 2010s there, kind of made that surge to really becoming a top contender in the Big Ten, and they've kind of taken a step back here for a few years. But I think this year they're set up 
Uh, you know, I think with Drew Auer taking over at quarterback, I think there's a lot of excitement about what he can bring to that offense. And they've got, you know, two really good running backs and Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, and they've got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. And so I think they are very much going to be a contender this year. And I think that that three-team race at the top of the Big Ten East with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State is going to be very interesting. Who's the quarterback? At OSU. I, yeah, I, I, lean, I lean toward Kyle McCord, but we still have not gotten clarity on that. When Ryan Day was asked about it today, he said it's, it's been a really good battle and it's still back and forth. So, you know, I think they're hoping to get some clarity this week. They're going to have their first real scrimmage of preseason camp on Saturday. And so I think, you know, that's going to be a big opportunity for both of those guys. I, I think Devin Brown is performing well enough to make it a tough decision on him. But I think un- until I hear that, you know, Devin Brown's going to be the starter, I'm going to continue to lean back toward Kyle McCord because he does have that extra year of experience in the system. He's been the backup for the past few years. He's even started a game and won a Big Ten Freshman of the Week award for Ohio State. And so I, I do think, you know, it- it's always kind of been Kyle McCord's job to lose, but he still hasn't necessarily separated himself to win it yet. Dan, I don't know if I asked you this, and I should have, but is there someone that is the obvious target to replace um, Gene Smith as the AD? Well, well, you know, the first, the first name that I have heard today is Pat Chun, who's currently the athletic director at Washington State. Uh, he's an Ohio State alum. He worked at Ohio State for 15 years, many of those years alongside Gene Smith. So, you know, the early intel that I have heard is that he's somebody who could be a front runner for the job. But I think the factor in here is Ohio State's also currently searching for a new president. They haven't mm-hmm. even named a new president. And so obviously no decision can really be made until they've hired a new president first. But from what I've heard, you know, Pat Chun from Washington State is definitely a name to watch here. I think, you know, two other names that you can also throw in there are Heather Like at Pitt and Martin Jarman at UCLA because they also both worked at Ohio State for a long time, worked alongside Gene Smith. I do think that, you know, it's likely that Ohio State is going to hire someone who previously worked alongside Gene Smith who has experience working at Ohio State because it's not like Ohio State's going to be looking for radical change here. I think Ohio State's going to want to keep things running pretty similarly to the way they've already been run. So I think it is very likely that Ohio State is going to look for someone who, you know, has been an athletic director elsewhere and has that experience, but who is very familiar with how things already operated Ohio State. By the way, Pat Chun today, uh, I think just a few minutes ago, has had a press conference where he's kind of laying out on the table everything that went wrong and why he's taken some, you know, well-deserved shots at Pac-12 leadership. Yeah, I mean, you could probably kind of see why that he might be looking uh, for mm-hmm. a new job. You know, I mean, I think I think he's someone who would probably be a natural candidate regardless because you know, he grew up in Ohio. He went to Ohio State. And so I think he's somebody who's long been on that list of potential successors for Ohio State. But, I mean, yeah, he's in a position right now with everything that's going on at Washington State. But, I mean, if I was in his shoes and I was getting a potential opportunity to go to Ohio State, I'd probably be looking at it too. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, Dan. Great stuff. Always great to have you on when we talk Ohio State and also the Big Ten. Dan Hope, 11 Warriors on the Ohio State story that A.D. Gene Smith will retire in a little less than a year in July of next year. Craig Smoke is back from practice. Anything in particular that jumped out at you at all? I know it's kind of boring at times, the amount of time you guys get to be there. 
Ermagerd, it's hot. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, it, w- it was a hot one out there. Uh, now back in this this nice, cool studio. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, one personnel note, just not starting any rumors or anything, but because of the Quaylen Jones, uh, I guess, dismissal that we learned about last week, uh, w- looking out there today, and Grayson pointed out that uh, Bryson Washington wasn't out there, and that's not that could be anything. That could be like he has a class, you know, that conflicted, or he's got something to take care of. But just because of the Quaylen Jones news and what happened last year, you saw how injury is suddenly depleted, and you had a true freshman out there taking the bulk of your carries. That is something to monitor if Bryson Washington is is sidelined for any amount of time. But again, not not starting any speculation. Just saying it was like it was notable he's not out there because it's now a very small group. Because you had two less running backs on scholarship in that group now. So it's like a handful of guys when it should be, or less than a handful when it should be, you know, six or seven almost. But um, that was, uh, you know, something that's, that uh, stuck out. And then um, just really more than, than anything was the fact that uh, the indoor facility is now 100 yards. And that's yep. complete as far as the length of it. But they're still doing a lot of the decorations and finishing touches. And just the way that the new football ops center has started to grow as well like it used to just be you'd stand and look at the the towards the river and the practice fields in front of you so you, the practice fields between you and the river and the indoors like right here and over here is mclean stadium across the river and you can see it very clearly and there's nothing else but now it's like mclean way off in the distance and then boom big buildings taking shape and then boom huge indoor compared to what it was and so it's just it feels like you're in a totally different place than we've seen in the last several years, which is just progress and, and probably overdue a need for facilities like that. So that was just cool to see how far that's come along since uh, the springtime. Uh, but, yeah, just kind of thin at running back today. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And, um, you know, outside of that, I think everything was kind of business as usual, but good to just see them out there since I was on vacation and hadn't been able to be at a practice yet. You know, it's interesting. That running back room was supposed to be their depth uh, as far as because of the uh, – and now Quaylen Jones, Bryson Washington, we'll see on that. And Jordan Jenkins, it's time for him, young man from Lindale who can be a, a, a mover. He can move the pile. He's a big kid from Lindale and also with pretty good speed. So they need – they need. and I reached out to Chris Cochran, the head coach at Lindale, about what he had heard anything at all from the Baylor staff on him. Just that was after the Quaylen Jones story. Well, when you're a team that runs wide zone, you know, and your bread and butter is the running game, yep. and then you have concerns about, you know, how lethal can your quarterback be if he has to go throw you to a win – Suddenly got a thin running back room for the second year in a row. Potentially, like I said, potentially. So, looks small today. We'll see how it it progresses and and who's back out there uh, to give them some more depth. But just something to monitor. And Paul brought up that Pat Chun. I guess all the Wazoo officials are making the media rounds today. Yeah. And I've already seen some comments of, you know, too little, too late and whatnot. And that's, that's true. But Pat Chun's quote that Paul was referring to, uh, there's a century of history that has gone by the wayside because this conference has mismanaged itself on a bunch of different levels, and when you have poor leadership, one of the outcomes is failure. That's what has happened to the Pac-12. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. And and then again, Kirk Schultz, the president, was one of those that you heard a lot from, probably more well, from him than anyone else and how positive he was. And you got to wonder if he looks around and goes, man, what did you guys – what the hell? What the hell, well, George? And yeah, especially he and Washington, Oregon State, because they knew that their options were going to be very limited when the when the Pac twelve like they were going to be of the twelve teams, they're going to be eleven and twelve in line to be picked. So you know when everybody was picking for kickball teams, they knew 
they were going to be at the end and fairly or unfairly based on where they act, like just their actual physical location, you know, and, and their name recognition, I guess. But yeah, of course. So they had to fight harder for the PAC 12 than everybody else. And then when they did all that, because they, they didn't have other options and the, the fighting for that conference was placed kind of squarely on their backs because they had less options. As soon as those other options opened up for other people, you had to feel really burned because yep. you're like, well, I mean, we were here doing all this because we didn't. We were trying to make it work. And then well, you have to wonder if anybody's heart was really all 100% in it. Especially with the news that Cal Stanford are having the discussions with the ACC, right? Well, and I would think yeah. that especially Oregon and Washington is the one I would think is. So we've been doing this this whole year, kind of knowing you guys' hearts aren't really all in this. Mm-hmm. Like just waiting for that opportunity, and then Colorado kind of gave it to them. Yeah. So. They, they started the process, and then op- they opened the door where it was, it was kind of shut beforehand. But, yeah, the Notre Dame thing, I saw that tweet about – uh, their influence, uh, if you will. And it's interesting because I started to, uh, you know, form a tweet. I don't tweet a lot, but I'm trying to football season. I'll be back to it a lot more regularly now. Uh, but I started to form a tweet and I stopped it cause I just, I had to go, <laughs> but, um, I was wondering like, well, if you're the ACC, like tell Notre Dame, but you can't because they have so much leverage that, that you really can't force them to do anything. That's why, you know, always hear this like, well, eventually Notre Dame's going to be forced to do something. It's like, okay, well, let me know when that day comes because it's not coming with the ACC. They're not going to force them to do squat. Uh, they're at their mercy, if anything. Yeah, sure, one day down the line when there's like no room but to do something, then maybe they're forced into the SEC or the Big Ten. But until that happens, they're, yeah, they're going to flex their muscle and basically partially control the the ACC without being a full member and that's just pretty crazy it's just so weird that they could be like you're gonna we'd like you to really add these teams and like oh are you coming in they're like no 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 we're just telling you what to do would this make you want to come in probably not but we'd make us happy by the way a couple of days ago we had the discussion about teams that have left the conference and it seems like now that list is just almost hard to even keep up with with the newest uh changes next year that we know about John Cunningham on the replay a couple of nights ago mentioned that one of the schools we did not bring up, he wasn't like, hey, you guys, he was just helping. He goes, one of the schools that changed conferences, remember the Big East changed, Pittsburgh went to the ACC and they recently won the ACC. So that was another one that we did not mention as a team that had left the conference who has had at least some success where they are. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, you know, Jordan Addison, too. And, they've, yeah, they've had some some things. Uh, who was the things. guy that was a quarterback that was so good? Kenny Pickett. Yep. Yeah, Kenny Pickett was great um, with Jordan Addison. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was a nice, uh, I guess, correction or, or what have you. And we appreciate that, especially when it's done nicely. It's not like, you idiot. Like, how mm-hmm. could you? It's like, um, that, thank you for for doing it a different way. And, yeah, that's that's one that needs to be mentioned. But as far as the Big 12, which I think is where that conversation started, um, yeah, it's been very middle of the road, more misses than hits. Uh, and at some point, I was, Paul, have you watched the Johnny documentary? Because I was going to go relive I, A&M's I, last great I, I, run. I watched I, it last night. I yeah. watched it this morning while I was doing the Stairmaster, and it was it's, it's really, really good. If you haven't watched it, I do recommend it. Yep. But that was, you know, when A&M appeared to be in its bag, literally and figuratively, and uh, they still are, so to speak, but just chasing that same type of success. I'll tell you what was crazy to me, and we can maybe do a segment, like not today, but at some other point on the, the deal is, I just totally forget that there was another year 
after the Heisman. It's like, oh, yeah, he came back, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I totally blanked that yeah. out. I just thought he won the Heisman and rode off to Cleveland. And, no, there was a whole another year after that. And I it was been wild. better if there wouldn't have been another year. Yeah, no, it would have. I, I, I remember it all too well. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, it was weird because it was watching it, and I had so many memories of that year covering it with my – um, you know, watching games, like going to games when we didn't have a Baylor game. I, I was at that first one. I was at a couple more every time that, because Johnny football was so exciting. Mm-hmm. Anytime that uh, Kyle Louie, our friend would ask me like, do you want to, do you and your dad want to go to the game? I'm like, yeah, Baylor's off and they're on the road this weekend. We don't have anything to do. Let's go. And so I went to think, I think three at Kyle field. And then I went to that cotton bowl game and man, that was something. one of the guys I wish we could have heard from in the documentary was Ryan Swope, who was uh, one of the was a really really good wide receiver for them. Yeah, no, he was terrific, and yeah. not necessarily as a stats guy, um, but yeah, he deserves a lot of love for the role he played in that offense. Like, absolutely, yeah. So, my favorite Johnny football memory was I went to go cover that Cotton Bowl game, and you've heard me talk about it from Bob Stoops, and like going to that Bob Stoops press conference and how befuddled he was, and <laughs> expecting to be mad and be like, look, you know, he's just unbelievable and they got mike evans and what are you going to do and after that i walked out of there and i walked around the corner where the the aggies were having their media availability and that year uh ryan swope's sister reagan was one of our interns mm-hmm. i think that was before you came no uh, it wasn't craig or craig oh craig yeah, before craig, yeah. Well before, yeah. yeah so we had reagan and so i had text her and said like hey can you tell your brother to just like hang out for a second and wait for me because i'd like to at least just talk to him face to face we hadn't gotten to all year and tell him you know talk to my sister and so i walked in and i said hey ryan i'm paul and we started talking for a second and we started talking with the game and i remember saying like do you ever like turn around and watching him going holy bleep and he said all the time. Yeah. He said, there were times during that game where he thought, well, this drives over, and then I'm over on the other side of the field, and I see Evans get a 38-yard gain. I'm like, how did this happen? Yeah. yeah and we I, had I Ryan on that, remember? Before, yeah. Sorry, I want to clear before we get another correction on the post show of Ryan Swope. Like, he had big stats, don't get me wrong, but it's like his role was so much more than numbers is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, within that offense and, and the way that it worked um, – but he 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 put up he put up some digits as well. He was a great player, man. That, I mean, yeah, him, Mike Evans, Johnny Football. I mean, they they yeah. were loaded. Yeah, and, and it's just a, it's a very A and M thing to have that moment, and then they just haven't been able to sustain. It was this great little moment in time, mm-hmm. and for many different reasons, haven't been able to sustain it. Now, look, they the, Kyle Field is now the house that Johnny built. No, I mean no, it was already built, but, but it, I mean the it, new it, one. It led the to the new, new one. one. Yeah. yeah, the new one, like RG three and McLean Stadium. Yeah, the new yeah. one is is very much the. I mean, because it's nothing like it used to be at all. It is spectacular, and it was already a great venue, but it wasn't bells and whistles like it has now. So yeah, it was that was good. It was really interesting to watch, and I hope I'm a, ge- a person who genuinely uh, you know have been entertained by Johnny and all that. I hope that. Good things are ahead for him in his life. I mean, it's hard to see somebody go through all that and, and, and through their own bad choices, but even still, I just hope that, that things are, are on the up for him. Well, it's, it's a story that a lot of people love the climb, and more people love it when somebody then falls. And he went through that, and, and where he ends up and what he ends up doing, good luck to him on that. And a lot of it, even though it was against NCAA rules, a lot of what maybe he went through or what he did – could have opened the door for what we have now. You imagine the amount of money he would have made in the NIL era? My God, it would have been unbelievable. Uh, uh, Kyle Whittingham, the head coach at Utah, giving an update on Cam Rising. Baylor plays Utah in week number 
what is it, two, Cam is under the same restrictions and the other three guys are taking reps. Our first extensive live work will be Thursday. We've got a big scrimmage on Thursday. Hopefully by Monday we'll have a peaking order, a pecking order, and continue to progress with the quarterback position. Cam is in the mode he's in until doctors tell us he can progress from there. Of course, the starting quarterback who got hurt in the Rose Bowl and trying to get back on the field, Baylor, Utah, that second week in September. And uh, one other note, the Stanford quote, do you have that one, Garrett? Stanford head coach Troy Taylor, of course, they're on the outside right now looking in in a, in a story in a, uh, that was about Stanford's situation. I think the players that committed to us came here. They want to play Power 5 football. That is what our intention is with this university. I can't imagine anything else from Troy Taylor, the head coach at Stanford. This is 365 Sports. One of the fastest-growing sports right now in America is pickleball. And right now at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive, they have private and also group lessons available. Private lessons for $50 an hour, semi-private based on the number in the group. Jody Thurman is the pickleball instructor at the gym at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness. Also, speaking of uh, pickleball, it's, they, they took a, a couple of tennis courts and turned them into like eight pickleball courts, and it's always crowded. If you haven't uh, been there and you are a tennis person, Brett Coleman, the youth tennis instructor, a long time. This guy is a just stud at what he does. 16 tennis courts, beautiful stadium court, longtime youth tennis pro in Britt Coleman. The assistant is junior pro Kenna. She came from Iowa State in the adult test, tennis lessons and clinics with Blake. The commitment to pickleball and tennis is obvious when you walk out the back door at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs. Knowing you, that's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Welcome back to 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. It's time for our weekly segment with John Machoda of The Athletic, brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus, and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects, with two locations in Waco and Bryan, family-owned and operated since 1943. John Machoda, TheAthletic.com with us, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, and I'm David Smoke. John joins us on 365 Sports. So I saw where even among the European soccer um, dynasties or franchises, the Cowboys are now the most valuable sports franchise right now, uh, currently in in the world. Yeah, that's, I saw. I think it was Portico had that out there. Um, I want to say that they did move past. A few of those European soccer teams a few years back. I could be wrong on this, but I know that it is one of those things for Forbes like to report on it at least once a year, sometimes multiple multiple times per year. But this most recent list that came out by Sportico, I saw them at like a little over nine billion. And whenever those come out, you know, I'm sure it's the same for you guys. I guess it's one of those okay, what do you think they're really worth? You know? And and I'm telling you, I don't think that Jerry Jones would sell the Cowboys for I don't. I know. I know. There's no way 10 billion, but I don't even know if he was selling for 50 billion. To be honest with you, so the actual valuation of the team with Jerry Jones off the charts. But when you see some of these other teams that have been sold, even if Jerry was interested and was looking to sell, I don't see how the Cowboys go for anything under 10. And probably, I would think that negotiations would start around 12 to 15. Oh, that's going to be one of those things that Jerry's great, great, great grandkids will finally cop and sell it. When they're they're over football, <laughs> so okay, that, and that is an interesting point. But the only reason why I don't think that will even happen again, being a guy from Detroit. Um, so with the Lions, they've done nothing since the fifties to make. Well, really, since the current family bought it, um, I believe William Clay Ford bought the team. It was right around the same time when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. So we're talking 63, and they had 
F win since then. And the value of the Lions goes up every year tremendously. So even if you're not that into football and you're not having success running the team, like it's still the value of it. I mean, it's, I'm sure there's other things. I'm not very business savvy. I'm sure there are other, other things out there, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head that you really don't even have to be good at running it. And it just continues to grow in value, like on the level that an NFL franchise has. And so the only way I think that even something like that would happen is if like the NFL totally was, you know, it went down the drain for like over a decade and they were like losing money on the team. I just feel very confident saying that's probably not happening in my lifetime. Well, if, if Daniel Snyder can run that franchise in Washington right. into the ground and still make $6 right. billion from what he bought it for, there's the example right there, right? No question. That, no, that's probably an even better one. I just get sometimes I get biased with throwing up a Lions fan. But no, absolutely. No, Washington, that is a great example because they were just recently sold. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think he got it in 99, 2000, around that time. And man, since then, Washington is right there with the Lions as one of the worst franchises in all sports. So yes, yes, that is a great point. John, how concerned should the Cowboys be about Mozzie Smith? You know, I would say yesterday when I left practice, maybe a little bit just because we didn't see him. And then you start hearing he's getting MRI. That's obviously never... You don't really want to hear that, but it sounds like it was just for precautionary reasons. But then this morning we were out at the walkthrough. You know, Mozzie was out there. Um, Tyler Biotish, another uh, player that left practice. Both these guys are, uh, you would think, would be wearing some type of braces and things like that, even though it's a walkthrough. And, and both of them were fine, you know, uh, moving around well. Uh, so it sounds like they dodged a bullet with both of those um, injuries that came out of yesterday's practice. But, yeah, Mozzie was out there. Um, doesn't sound like it's anything of major concern, and that's good because if somebody asks me, hey, who's who's the number one player uh, that you're looking forward to watching on Saturday, it's really not close for me. It's Mozzie Smith, and then the gap to whoever two is is quite considerable. So uh, from a selfish standpoint, I was glad to see him back out there, uh, and I hope that means that he'll be playing Saturday because this will be a great test to see, see what they really have so far in the first-round pick. Yeah, now they had the injury that scared up, kind of flared up yesterday, right, with uh, Biotis? Yeah, but he's back, right? Yeah, he was back. I saw yeah. through the walkthrough, but how much would that have, like, upset the apple cart? Because that's right there in the middle of the offensive line. No no question. And, yeah, it was an ankle. I think believe it's his right ankle. And there were – there's been a couple different times here at camp where he's gone down um, in a team drill and uh, was a little slow to get up. So that's why I was kind of like, ooh, is this kind of like a – this has been kind of building up, and then he re-aggravated it. But, he, you know, he's moving around pretty well today. Again, no, he wasn't wearing a brace or anything like that. Um, so I don't think it's – he was never going to play in this first preseason game anyway. But, uh, yeah, it would be a huge loss if they were to be without him because not only the Zach Martin situation is still unresolved, but just the fact of – I mean, if I'm doing a list of the biggest question marks on the Cowboys team right now going into this season, you know, kickers obviously high in that list. Um, but I would say – backup running back and then that depth on the offensive line are the other you know two things that I would put in that same category of like there's a lot of question marks there it'd be one thing if they had drafted a interior offensive lineman pretty high and you're just like well this is gonna give that player more work but I mean it's opening the door for a lot more work for you know Josh Ball and Matt Farniak and um, Brock Hoffman and a few others and I don't know it's hard to get a lot out of these practices so again Saturday will be a great time to watch those guys because with Zach Martin and, and Tyler Biotish or without them, in both cases, they need help with, with their depth of their offensive line. 
I know you'll do a, a roster projection here soon because you have to do them throughout camp. Is there anybody, if you had to do it today, that would surprise you being on or off the, off it had you, you know, written it two weeks ago? <laughs> off is going to be tough because it is going to be a really tough roster to trim down to 53. Mike McCarthy said that at the beginning of camp, and it's so true. The longer that, you know, we're out here, the more I see it, too, where – I know exactly what he's talking about. It, it's not going to be an easy 53. It'll be the most difficult for him since he's been their Cowboys head coach on trim this one down. There's just a lot of players that you're like, man, yeah, this guy, you could really use him. You don't want to see him go to another team, but, hey, we can only keep 53. But in terms of, of let's say, when I arrived here till now, some players that surprised me, Jalen Brooks is very high on my list, uh, seventh-round draft pick, a wide receiver that, I mean, they cut the roster down today. I don't see any way that they could let him go, and that was not someone I would have thought of when we went to camp. Um, you know, I was kind of on that bubble. Are they going to keep five receivers? Are they going to keep six? You know, for me, I, I don't see how if they cut the roster today, they they would keep less than six because you'd get your start starting three, and then the next three, to me, from what I've seen, it's Jalen Tolbert would be four, Kevontae Turpin five, and then Jalen Brooks six. And I don't know how they could move on in a different direction there because they would not want to see him go to another team. He's just been – Really solid in camp. Eric Scott, their sixth-round draft pick corner, another guy that, that's really uh, been very solid um, that, that a lot of people out here have been talking about. Um, so so those two for sure, just because they're from this rookie class, that I'm, when I got here I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'll have them on the 53. And then now I'm kind of looking at it like, yeah, you probably have to. Um, so maybe they go thin on the offensive line on the initial 53 and maybe sign a player or add somebody off of a different team, and then that way they can keep some of these other players. Um, but those two, those two certainly jump out. John, can you try for those who've never taken the drive? And I don't know how many times you've driven from Oxnard down Highway One to Malibu. Try to describe that view of what you see. <laughs> it's so good that you know I've been down here, you know, for over a decade uh, coming out for Cowboys camp, and I never pass up on, on a chance to drive down. And I'll probably do it again today. Won't go as far as Malibu, but just to get out there whenever I get a chance because. It is. It's so beautiful, and especially like if you, you're around a reporter who hasn't been out here, I always make sure to go down there just to show them. Like, because it's easy to get caught up in just staying around Oxnard because you got camp every day and you got things going on. But it is. It is incredible. Um, it, yeah, it just never gets old. And really, for me, like, I love it. Really, I mean, now not all in once, but in my life now, I've done it from San, San Francisco all the way down to San Diego. And there are some parts up when you get once you get out of San Francisco. Um, there are there are a few like Big Sur area where there's some bridges and some things that they put in there that are just so beautiful that, and, and you've seen them in commercials and movies and things like that and it just leaves you scratching your head like I don't, I don't know how human beings were able to create this mm-hmm. and it really that whole highway one it just amazing how I mean it's like beautiful mountains on one side and the beautiful ocean on the other and uh, it just man it never gets old I'd love to know that I'm a bad person to ask the best person to ask on, on something like this would be somebody that owns one of those houses. Uh, in, in, let's say, like, you know, right on the water over in Santa Barbara or even the ones back down by, by Malibu. I wonder, how long did it take you to sit there and look out your back window and see that that view? And then you were just like, yeah, I'm kind of used to it now because I just can never see that happen. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's gorgeous. It's it's worth the drive. Uh, we'd go down there and go to this little uh, fish place off of Highway 1. It was a little hole in the wall. And sit there and look Neptune's across. Neptune's net. Yep, Neptune's net. It was fantastic. John, great stuff as always. Yeah, Craig? Uh, is Florida State joining the SEC, the uh, the Big Ten? Where are we going, John? Yeah, Where John. are the Knowles headed? 
Oh, man, the SEC sounds great to me just because, yeah, the competition gets tougher, but, it's, man, it's such an arms race. It's about the dollars. So wherever they can make more money off the TV deal, that's where they got to go. I know that people that like the traditional rivalries are going to hate that, but I'm a Florida State football fan. I'm not really a fan of the other programs. So for them to have the ultimate success going forward, I don't know how you do it. Not getting in one of those, you cannot be having New Jersey Rutgers getting more money off TV deals than Florida State football. I mean, that's just not good for business of uh, going forward of competing for multiple national championships. So, SEC makes the most sense to me, but if it's Big Ten, so be it, which is that would be the most ironic for me because I became a Florida State football fan because Big Ten football was boring to me as a kid. <laughs> so, it just would be ironic to see how that works out if they were to join the, uh, the league that I got bored with. Did you send the, uh, the the copy points and write the teleprompter script for the FSU president during the Board of Regents meeting? Because it sounds like you did. <laughs> I, I, did I didn't, I did but, I mean, I don't know. I just look at the landscape of all of college football. It doesn't matter, you know, who you're talking about. You know, Baylor, you know, Florida State, Alabama, Georgia. Like, it is such an arms race, and, and, and I've been fortunate that I've been able to go to, like, quite a few – Florida State row games and, and getting a chance to just see in the way like other teams facilities are. I remember going to Clemson and things like that. And you just, everywhere you go, you're just like, man, it's just, you can never be happy and content with what you have. It's always going to be bigger. It's always going to be better. The locker room's got to be redone. The stadium has to have additions. They got to mm-hmm. do this stuff. Because if you're not doing it, somebody else is. And if they're doing it, they're going to start winning the recruiting battles and getting the guys that you're supposed to get. And that, I'm not saying that this is the right way to do it. I'm just saying that's just the way you see how business works in college football. And it's such big business that, you know, if you don't, stay with it you're going to get left behind absolutely thanks for your time man enjoy it i know you are that's john machota in Oxnard with the cowboys at training camp we appreciate his feedback uh brett mcmurphy had a note uh, I, this might have been late last night but the pac-12 bowls uh, starting to look at the tie-ins and might even have conferences have two teams playing each other in the same bowl game that may not have played each other because conferences have gotten so big that that wouldn't be like a rematch type game. Yeah, when I first read that, um, I was like, I don't know. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And I don't think the bowls are really planning on going away. I mean, shoot, now it's all open. Now they're going to have, you know, gambling sponsors and, you know, all that as shortly. So uh, I don't think that that's going to be headed anywhere. But, uh, you know, staying at peak number of games, if not – adding more so yeah there, there's a chance that could happen and look I, I guess the the upside is that if you get so big there's gonna be a lot of teams you didn't play in yep. conference so yep. you're gonna have like seven choices rather than just that one team that you didn't get around to I do wonder though I saw I don't know if it was that tweet from last night or if it was another one that talked about how you know one of the I think maybe one of them's the Vegas Bowl or attached to Las Vegas and and who's gonna go claim that because that's out there. I mean, with the Pac-12's demise, and not to say that they owned it anyways, but they did have their media days there. That is more West than it is, you know, any of the other regions, really. So I'm very curious of, of now college football in this next phase and its relationship with Las Vegas. I, I do think that one of the things, I think we kind of broached this in the ho- like during the holidays, during the bowl times, maybe even in a top five or something, where maybe it's just time to, like, I know the bowls are independent entities and nonprofits, and that's been some shady stuff over the years. Just ask the Fiesta Sugar and Orange mm-hmm. Bowls about some of the controversy that's gone on behind the scenes there and, and, and what they've done. But maybe if, if we're going to keep the bowls and the playoff, let college football playoff take over all the bowls 
and kind of shuffle up the tie-in so it gets more interesting. Or well, don't they? Don't they? That the standings? Don't they? Is that not? But tied there's in? conference tie-ins. Yeah. Like, uh, no. you know, remember Oklahoma last year? Yeah, jumping the line to yeah. get yep. and play in so, Florida State. So yeah, like you know, make it not their fault by the way. Make but. it make more. Yeah, make it make more sense to everybody around because now conference tie-ins again. You're you know you're the whatever the emerald. Uh, pistachio bowl up in in San Francisco that you were having a a Pac-12 team and an ACC team and now there's no Pac-12 like what you didn't do anything to deserve that no you were just trying to be a bowl game yeah it uh coming up Paul Catalina at his top five we do appreciate everybody every day uh I try to dip into the chat room whenever I can I know there's a lot of I, I tell you what I've learned but we knew this and what makes it really even worse for an Oregon State or a Washington State fan and a lot of you yeah, and especially like Connor and a couple others that have been inside of our chat room, you have the passion to be a part of a real football conference. You really do. I mean, I just don't give up the hope. I know it doesn't look good. And then Oregon State, of course, this year, a highly ranked team. Uh, and, and Washington State with what they've done to bring in numbers. It, it, it sucks. But I want to tell you, those who are in the chat room, we do appreciate your passion for your fan bases. But by, by, that, that's what it's really – you still wish that was what it was about, but we know it's different than that. When we come back, Paul Catalina and his top five. Highway 6 uh, is a mess right now uh, here in uh, the Waco area. Uh, so at Richard Carr, they are trying harder to make buying a new Buick, GMC, or Cadillac far easier. Right now, most 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s are discounted. Thousands qualified buyers can finance for 0.9%. And with dozens of Sierras on the lot, Richard Carr has the inventory you're looking for, plus the price and the financing to get you in a new GMC Sierra today. They've also got the Buicks, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. Uh, how about a luxury SUV without the luxury price? Right now, save thirty-two fifty on a new 2023 Buick Encore GX, plus qualified buyers get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024. I know that can get a little bit confusing, so you can visit the website, give them a phone call, or drop by the dealership and get the, the numbers and get the pricing and the percentages uh, and they will all make that very very easy for you because customer service is their number one goal but look it doesn't have to be a new car either if you're looking to buy pre-owned well they can take care of that as well they've got uh, dozens of quality pre-owned cars and trucks in stock many of them under twenty-five thousand. Uh, so their financing philosophy continues on at richard car they are looking for 100 credit approval and uh, they say yes when others say no perhaps you're not even looking to buy a car you just want to get your car your truck your suv worked on oil change something a little bit uh more like you know damage from a wreck something along those lines their service department is standing by to keep you on the road and uh, they too are the people that you can count on over at richard carr in business for 24 years in central texas they've built a reputation during that time as yes the people that you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud central texans and proud baylor bears log on to richardcar.com today call now or go see them now off highway six at the imperial exit the future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. 
Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5 Brought to you by Texas Beef House Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu From our pasture to your plate TexasBeefHouse.com Top 5 thoughts on Greg Sankey's comments On the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday Which is the most I'll probably ever talk about something that happened on Feinbaum, but uh, it was very interesting and went back and listened to it. And, you know, um, he does, like, he he is very politician-like to me in that, and I, there are, there's not many now, but there were in the days where it made sense, where I would listen to somebody and, like, 90% of the things they said, I'm like, okay, this guy seems to have a handle on it. And then occasionally they say something, I'm like, well... You know, I don't know. I don't know about that. That seems like it's a planted statement there. And that was kind of like this. But I did come away learning something from Greg Sankey yesterday, which is um, which is what I like when I listen to interviews. Number five, honestly, the SEC and all this mess could not do anything for a decade, in my opinion, and they'll be fine. Yep. They're making a bunch of money and running college football in a lot of ways with their wins and losses, yeah. their wins and championships. I mean, what – what, like, honestly – what do they have to do? Nothing. Just be who you've been. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that regionally it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, their additions, unlike the Big Tens, which I understand why they did what they did, but, I mean, the SEC is still basically the Southeast and uh, still room to be even more of the Southeast if they wanted to, but, yeah, I don't really see the need to do so. Um, you know, I'm sure that that could change at a moment's notice if all of a sudden Florida State got loose of the ACC deal or, or whoever. But, uh, yeah, they, they could stay pat and, and, to your point, be totally fine. Yeah, they don't. They don't have to do one single thing. No. Number f- they they just need to kind of monitor without letting them know what's going on up in yeah. the, the upper Midwest. Yeah. Now, number four, that brings me to this. I am still not totally sure I believe him on adding teams. Like, I, he didn't say no, never, not ever going to, but he did kind of poo-poo the notion of anybody in pro-rat and all that stuff. I do think that if you could add, because there's not many brands – out there really honestly like brand brand names so if you could add these two that fit into your geographical footprint with that you having to be ridiculous because we're not talking about the sec adding oregon they're already in the big 10 we're talking about the sec adding clemson and florida state to their to their roster that to me you know would seem like if that became legally untangled that that was something that they would look at well it's interesting though because he talks about how they think everything should calm down and even at times has kind of discussed how he doesn't like what's happened in the last week and yet they they got who they wanted in fact at least twice right but he owned up to he said that he did though. like I he know. said yeah he said like i know we, we played a role and so i appreciate that he's not pretending like the big yes. tents pretending that they didn't kill the pack yeah. like oh that wasn't us i mean he knows like yeah we kick-started the whole dadgum shebang here like with our move with oklahoma and texas so he wasn't he wasn't trying to skirt any responsibility for it but i do think when you start to see just some of the stuff going on we're like the big 12's killing the pack potentially in conjunction with the big like that's when you're starting to like i don't know if this is really all that great and that is a little different than just scooping two dynasty schools or two you know two blue bloods that that are clearly wanting out you know the, the pack uh, honestly i just had this thought um do you remember in the movie Goodfellas, Craig and Osoki, you probably won't remember this. I know you've seen that movie, but uh, where Ray Liotta tells his wife, like, listen, the only re- reason you go to jail is if you want to. Yeah. To me, I kind of feel like that is only true in the instance of the Pac-12. Like, they they didn't want to, but they did this to themselves. Like, yeah. Oh, no, you right, can blame the Big right. Ten. You can blame the Big Ten and Big 12 all you want for the Pac-12's troubles, and they, they certainly share in the blame of the TV of, networks and TV and, networks yeah. and all that. But the Pac-12 did this to itself. Like they made themselves vulnerable for this. Yeah. Pat Jones said that just a little while ago when I read off that quote from uh, whatever that was a, that he was appearing on. And uh, I, t- to the, to this part, I, I don't believe Greg Sankey. I, I mean, I do believe that they are fine. If nothing changes, I also believe that they are ready to strike. If anything changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in a great spot. Number three, I think he's right about reshaping the the 12-team playoff. Now, look, he wants to keep it at 12, which they're going to do because they've already made that agreement. Now, I worry about past that two years and what they're going to do after that. But they might have to – got to look at it. The Pac-12 is not going to be there at the beginning of it. They can't just move it down the line, although I think it would be – Why would it be difficult, though? If, in fact, they do not remain an autonomy five, you just add another at-large team or you – Look at I, – I would like uh, to see that, but – Or you look at, you know, y- y- you look at another team that's outside of they, the autonomy five. Right? They need to – they need One to, or the other, that's all you can do, They right? need to codify that, though. They yeah. need to – like, they need right. to make – like, they need to make sure. sure that they go through and say, this is here and this is why. Because part of this was the reason you do this and the reason you let um, – you do the top six 
conference champions, highest ranked conference champions, is because you finally do open it up for someone who's not one of those autonomy five so that you can finally look, you could, it, it helps you put it to rest. If they go years and years and years and one of those non autonomy five schools never wins and they can be like, well, at least they're in it and we don't have to deal with it anymore. They've got a shot, you know, here it is, as opposed to the way it was, they don't have to answer the question anymore. But if they take this opportunity to, to take away those chances for the, the G five, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a bad PR step, but they need to codify all that language to me. Yeah. I mean, you have to, I think placate a certain audience because there are a lot of schools that would be left out. If you just, you know, bogart your way to, eight Big Ten seeds and eight yeah. SEC seeds, yeah. and it's a 17-team playoff because right. that's what they would like, right? Yeah. I know 17-team would not work <laughs> as a tournament, but you know what I mean. So, uh, you know, when we talked to Mac Rose yesterday, he agreed with Greg Sankey as well. Uh, I don't know if he would have if this was like right after the Texas-Oklahoma news, you know, broke, but uh, they're in a position now where uh, he seems to be in agreement with that, and so I'd, I'd imagine Brett Yormark is as well. To what extent that matters, I think everybody's got to be somewhat on board with each other. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubts they're going to revisit this and reshape it. Uh, just what that looks like on the other side is going to set the table because, like, that's the thing. We get this expanded playoff. We get it for two years. Like, it's not going to go away, but the way it's set up is going to potentially get altered. Yeah. And so you would think that that one's a little bit lengthier than two years, and it might be, like, the table setter for the grand yeah. scheme or plan in, in this whole dadgum ball game. Number two. Now, while he owned up to it, I appreciated him that. I don't think you should take shots at other leagues for expanding because, again, they're trying to keep pace with you, man. Like, right, yeah. Like, you cannot. Are they trying to keep? Well, yo, I guess yeah. keeping pace is what the Big Ten was doing. Yeah. Keeping, uh, staying alive or survival is what some others are trying yeah, to do. Yeah, and then keep, I guess keeping pace would be, you know, now that you're alive, you try to keep pace. But they're trying to do that because of what you have done. You have been so successful in winning national championships in your league. And not only that, solidifying your brand so much that even your bad teams don't get as much flack as everybody else's bad teams, that everybody else is chasing you. So if you're McDonald's and you're the biggest thing, don't get pissed off at Wendy's for coming out with a spicy chicken sandwich before you did, man. Good analogy. You can't do it. Last time you had Wendy's. They're just just Uh, trying to compete. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think randomly about a month and a half ago, I just said, what the hell? And I stopped and got one of those big damn burgers. It's good. Well, look, the fries aren't very good, but I, I mean, I did. I just Was buckled. it SEC good or Big Ten good? What, what, what was it? The, the Wendy's? Here's the thing. Frosties? Love a Frosty. See, that was actually, uh, uh, I didn't get this this last time, um, but that was not what I remembered when I got it. Uh, really? Unfortunately, but that might have been the location. Yeah. Uh, you know, the so Frosty? I, yeah. It yeah. was not quite what I remembered. If I'm going to get a milkshake, I'm going to Dairy Queen. Yeah, but see, the Frosty. A Whataburger. Yeah, the Frosty not a milkshake. It's just ice cream. I don't know. It's weird, but it's it's still. Hey, Emery, so can, you, can you uh, <laughs> put the algorithm out that we mentioned all of them? Although, don't mention I didn't like the fries at Wendy's. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, so, anyway. But, yeah, as my point is, look, if you're McDonald's and you came out at your CEO, you know, your shareholder meeting, but listen, everything's growing great. And screw Wendy's for this new idea that they had. You're like, well, hey, man, like, we're doing all right. 
you know, we don't need to worry about them. Like we're, we're doing fine. So don't do that. Greg Sankey, but, and at least he did own up to like, yeah, I know we have a part in this. Right, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, especially with the big 12, they have a part of, of taking four of them. Right. Know, so. And I, I initially took that just cause I guess I'm in, you know, more of thinking this, the big 12 side of things, uh, was he was taking a shot at your mark again. Cause he had done that previously. I, I think in a subtle way without his, but wasn't quite as, it was bad. mostly about the big 10. Right. It was, was what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I didn't, you know, initially read it that way, but then I went back and read it again later, and I was like, oh, no, I think he was more taking a shot at the Big Ten, yeah. But he wasn't Sankey about a week or two ago. I he, remember he took, one he at your took mark. another one. That's why yeah. I thought that's what it was yeah. again. Yeah. I thought he was just doing that again, and I was like, that's weird, because when we talked to Brett at <laughs> – now we're on first names. Brett, you know, <laughs> buddy up, Brett. Brett. No, uh, Brett, uh, Brett your market, AT&T <laughs> Stadium, uh, for media days, uh, we talked about the Sankey comment, remember? Yeah. Uh, was that on air? Or was yeah, that was. On? Okay, oh, no. yeah. He, yeah so he, he talked about that. So I, that's why when I first heard, I was like, he t- he's – Fired another one at him? Like, what is that about? I thought yeah. they were cool, but, yeah, it's it's all good. Yeah, big bucks, Brett. Bretty Y. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, number one, uh, as we finish this today, he would be a great college football star. I do think it's time for, for college football to grab one of these guys like Greg Sankey and use their powers for good. Can they pay him as much as he's making now? They should. Yeah. Yes. I'm, not, I'm, I'm being, sure they pull can. Pull the money but, together. Yeah. Get it done. Well, like, right now he's fighting for 16 teams. He would then have to fight for 131. Yeah, and like again, use your powers for good. Mm. Like that's that's it, what it I would think. Be, it would be a nice. I mean, it would be nice to have somebody in that position. You were more respected, obviously, or carry as big of a stick as he does, and it's hard to argue with the guy. I mean, I know the SEC's got its history that goes way beyond like these last 20 years when they've really solidified themselves. I mean, they they weren't the best football conference at various points, but they were still the most passionate and and rabbit and all of that and to take that league and be a part along with many many others in in the juggernaut that it is now i mean who's to argue with that resume right i mean if he knows about putting on a good product in a great league and, and all those types of things he knows the inner workings unlike some outsider that you bring in it's one thing to do that as a commissioner it's another thing to do that as a, like a czar type figure i think you do have to have somebody that is like invested in the game you know, and the universities and, and things like that. So, yeah, he would check a lot of boxes for sure, and, and I do think that that's overdue. I know uh, there's plenty of candidates that you could throw out there, but he would be one that would make a lot of sense. All right. Very good, Paul. Very well well done. Uh, Emery, thank you. Uh, Garrett Ross, thank you, Garrett. Man, I got I, I send you sometimes it's just insane, 10 to 15 or 20 of those graphics. We didn't even get to all of them, but we appreciate it. Didn't get to Alabama having Pete Rose on campus to talk to athletes about gambling. Uh, and that might be something we jump in tomorrow. We, uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you every single day. Those who watch us, the app, thanks to Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and our incredible sponsors, Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Good night. This is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI.